catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On June 18th at the Breadshed in Manchester, Catch Pro Wrestling starts The Renaissance, featuring the long-awaited red belt title match between Lizzie Evo and Chantal Jordan. In Lizzie's first defense of her now epic reign, Chantal looked to have the match won but for a foot under the ropes. It's been a long journey back to this point for Jordan and she finally gets the one-on-one clash she's been looking for for nearly two years. Will Lizzie's reign end just as it closes in on 700 days? Other talented featuring on the show will include Emerson Jane, Lana Austin, Rio, Ivy, Sapphire Reed, Lucy Sky, Debbie Dahmer, Violet Vendetta, and more to be announced. June 18th at the Breadshed Manchester, Evo versus Jordan. Head to catchpw.bigcartel.com and use the code STARCAST for 10% off. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the Starcast. Welcome to the Tamcast. I'm your host, Tam Goodwin, and I'm joined by the Tammiest Tam to ever Tam. It's Tam Turner Tam. How the Tam are you? Oh, man, you pop me good. I always pop you uh, every episode when we do the alternate commentaries of what gimmick I will strap on you there, good sir. But uh, yeah, you crossed it on that one, my friend. You know, I don't know what was a better 12-hour period in my life when Lily was first born. 18 and a half years ago. And then I quickly made the turnaround to drive to Philadelphia to debut 
for Ring of Honor, or this past Saturday, Lily, or this past Friday, Lily graduates. I get a few hours of sleep, and then uh, a few hours into the wee morning, Cam Nakano is the red and white belt champion. So, you know, I, I'm not sure which one outweighs the other half. So, uh, but regardless, brother, I am phenomenal. Always good to uh, talk to you and uh, talk to you about our, one of our favorite subjects to talk about, and that would be stardom. And I guess, apparently, from the intro you just did there, good sir, I guess it's going to be a lot of Tam Nakano talk on this show. <laughs> I just feel like, well, Tam's winning everything. She's taking everything. So I figure it's only a matter of time before she takes this podcast. Um, so <laughs> I just thought, you know what? I might as well ease us in gently. So when the inevitable takeover does come, the, the people who listen to the podcast aren't shocked. It's been, it's been a week, hasn't it, in uh, in the old Stardomverse. Uh, we're going to be talking about it all um, over the next, presumably about four and a half hours. Um, (laughs) but we've got loads and loads to talk about we've got flashing champions which is obviously in the books now for motor ward city gym that took place on the 27th of may um it has gone up today on stardom world as well so if you haven't had a chance to uh to check it out or if you couldn't afford the pay-per-view every other day then you know it's now on stardom world go and check it out um we've got uploads from golden week fight tour three and a half weeks ago or whenever it was we've got a new blood show to look forward to in fact it'll be happening as you are listening to it unless you're on our patreon patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast we can get these episodes um, a day early so they release on a thursday and we've got just so much to talk about in regard to the five star in regard to where stardom go from here what the next pay-per-view has in store for us we have literally so much to talk about but first and perhaps most importantly matt how was lily's graduation oh it was fantastic it was uh you know one of the best days of her life one of the best days of my life not only was it lily's graduation rob but i I probably failed to mention this and it was overshadowed, obviously, but the, my dad retired from work on the same day. Wasn't even planned. Uh, he could have retired a few years ago, but my dad's been working, you know, 55, 56 years. He just did not want to retire. So it's like, well, how about that? We didn't even plan it. So it was funny. As soon as uh, my parents came over for the graduation, Lily goes, hey, Pop Pop, congratulations on your retirement. And he goes, yeah, I just stepped out of it and you're about to step in it. So <laughs> <laughs> My my dad's a pretty funny guy. His wit is is really really good. But yeah, the day was perfect. It was me, uh, Amber, uh, um, uh, Lily's mom, Jen. Uh, my parents came up. Uh, my mother in law, my sister in law, and Amber's aunt, uh, her aunt Tam, that's really close with uh, with Lily. We uh, they did it at the football stadium, so this way you weren't really crammed in. When I got when I graduated, we did it in the auditorium of the high school that we were at. And I think there was only like five or six tickets were available. For this was you had ten tickets, but if you had more people, you're more than welcome to come. And uh, all day, all week, really leading up to it, Rob, it was uh, like Monday. She had um, like I was checking on her every day just to make sure emotionally she would be okay. And Monday was they had like a half day just to kind of tie loose ends up. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday were just practice days, and then Friday was just you just have to show up, show your attendance, so this way you can graduate and you're good to go. And every day when she would come home, like, are you okay? Are you okay? You're just, no, dad, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So they did the whole graduation thing. Ceremony was a little over an hour. They had 275 kids in their class. Uh, mine was like 104. I had a very, very small class. So it was, it was a little bit longer of a ceremony. Um, 
but it went really well. The speeches were really, really well. The, uh, the kids did a great speech, um, you know, the uh, valedictorian and the salutatorian. And then when everything was over, it was like, okay, they threw the hats up. And I was like, go and try to find your kid in this mass sea of people on a football field. And Amber was the first person that got to her and it all hit Lily. As soon as I saw her, I was like, it just hit y'all at once. She's like, yeah. And this poor kid could not stop crying. And we all felt so bad for her. And Amber, just being the forethinker she is, she's like, well, your makeup is running. So she had her take off her glasses. And as she's getting pictures with her friends was, uh, well, you know, wiping everything down and then reapplying her makeup. And my dad looked at her and she's like, what are you going on to Hollywood? Like, the way that, like <laughs> she had her own personal, like, stylist there. But it was, uh, no, it was, it was excellent. It was, uh, you know, day that obviously it's, you, you can't stop from coming. I have a lot of people, you know, can't believe she's in 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. You, you just, you just can't stop it. You just enjoy the ride. And it was, it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful ceremony. And uh, she was happy, which ultimately makes, uh, makes me happy. So all in all, just a absolutely uh, fantastic and, uh, you know, damn near perfect day. So, um, yeah, all in all, you know, great stuff. And, I, and I'm sure you've been a part of that quite a bit. You were a teacher for many years, so I'm sure you would see the seniors, you know, come and go, you know, throughout the years in your, your teacher tenure. You would be amazed. The reason I've asked, to be honest, obviously, I hope Lily had a fantastic time. That's the main thing. But I asked because it's so different in the UK. And I don't know if that's, you know, something just around here in sort of the more northern part of England or whether it's a sort of countrywide thing, but we just don't seem to do graduations in the same way that you do over in the States. We do um, graduations when we leave university, so college uh, for our American listeners, we do graduations there, but it's not really a big deal when you leave um, high school, to be perfectly honest. It's more just a case of, you have your prom, and not every school has a prom. Um, you have your prom, you get drunk in a field, um, you stop over at your mate's house, and then either you start to go to uni or, you know, you go into the world of work. It's very understated, you know. And this is something that I've always been amazed by, is these American schools, and then you've all got massive-ass football stadiums attached to them. And it's yeah. like... Dude, our school didn't even have grass. Like, <laughs> never mind a football field. A football field with actual stands that I reckon you could fit like three. For our English speaking, uh, English speaking fans, for our in- people who <laughs> live in England who listen to this, right? It's incredible. They're like League Two stadiums. They're like we've got professional football stadiums that haven't got as much capacity as your school football stadiums over in the states it's it's incredible we drove past one in florida and it was enormous absolutely enormous and it's it's boggling mind-boggling how uh, how different sport is over uh, over in the states at school level than it is here but yeah we never really had like a big graduation i'm sure people are going to tell me oh we did we did well we didn't our yeah. school sucked <laughs> yeah so i'm sorry to hear that because high school was literally the because uh, one of the reasons why i was checking on lily i absolutely loved high school didn't like college because it was just so much work and then i was you know wrestling school and wrestling that's when you know i i turned pro and then drive into philadelphia all the time you know to to train at the ring of honor school and i just didn't have the time or the effort or the energy not only that rob i was so blessed again my the school i graduated um again we graduated about 104 kids when i graduated in 2000 it was the largest graduating class in over 100 years and I want to say at least 80% of the kids that I graduated with 
I was in kindergarten with. So you knew everybody. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, yeah, it was a big deal when I graduated high school just because I really wasn't going to see these too many friends. And I had such a blast at high school. And uh, you will hear uh, some of the story. I can do legions of podcasts on some of the debauchery we did in high school. I can't tell them <laughs> on this podcast uh, just because we are a fan-friendly and a rated G podcast. Obviously, <laughs> another thing to look forward to when you come over uh, to the States and uh in march for a wrestlemania in philadelphia a lot of the uh my friends that you're going to meet are all friends that i've had you know my entire life that i went to high school with whether i graduated the same year with a grade before or grade below uh and you will hear these stories in litany uh, just to kind of give you an idea <laughs> that when i first started dating amber we would talk about certain things in high school and then uh, my roommate i graduated high school with and then uh we would share the same stories and amber would kind of be like looking at me like all right you know there's no way that could have happened. There's their stories kind of match, but there's kind of no way. There's and my wife is a very all-American girl, other than church wine, did not have her first drink of alcohol until she turned 21. Very prim and proper, the you know, the sweetest person. If you cross her, she'll stab you in the throat. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but uh very so when I would tell these stories, everybody would look at me like I was nuts. And then fast forward six, seven months later, we meet up at a bar back home and there'd be like a dozen of us. And we're like, hey, remember that time that they did this? And then everybody would like tell the same story or add on to it. And Amber would be like, oh my God, you guys really did that? I'm like, yeah, you thought I was joking? Like, I didn't think there's any way that, that that would happen. So uh, yeah, buddy, you're in, you're going to be in for a treat in about 10 different ways when you, when you come over next year. And I'm so looking forward to it. But no, high school for me was the absolute blast. And, uh, you know, if anybody has enjoyed their high school time or has kids graduating high school, you know, past, present, or future, I hope they have the, uh, the time of their lives as well. Absolutely. Just like we had the time of our lives watching Stardom this weekend. Oh, the transitions get <laughs> even better. Um, <laughs> um, Matt, before we delve into what has been just a head-spinning week, um, would you like to inform the good people who are listening to uh, what is going on on the Patreon this week? Absolutely. This past week, we released our Hazuki What If episode. Uh, that was an absolute blast doing because it was basically if Rob and I were to book stardom, <clears throat> that might be our, uh, you know, it might be our introduction there. You know, if they're ever saying, you know, what's <laughs> so if, if, if any of the uh, brats and stardom are like, you know, I wonder what we would like for the stardom cast to uh, maybe book stardom. There it is, folks. Subscribe to the Patreon and you will find out there is our introduction right there. Uh, again, that was an absolute blast. What if Hazuki uh, beat Sayakamitani? For the Wonder of Stardom Championship at the Triangle Derby uh, final, that was an absolute blast doing it. I'm really looking forward to the uh, the future episodes, and we've been getting great feedback on that. Also, this past Monday, we released our alternate commentary. We go back to the year 2018 Five Star Grand Prix, and the final night in Cork and Hall, Mayu Iwatani taking on Momo Watanabe. And then uh, we just recorded, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. Yesterday, Rob and I just recorded our next alternate commentary, which will drop on Monday as well as we go to the 2019 five-star Grand Prix as Hanukkah takes on Momo Watanabe. Now, I do just want to give a, a quick warning that um, when you do listen to this on Monday or Tuesday, whenever you do listen to it, Rob and I spend almost as much time talking about Rob coming over for WrestleMania next year uh, <laughs> and to talking about all the delicious food that we're going to force feed him. <laughs> I say that in air quotes as an audio podcast, force feed him when he comes over to the States, as we do uh, talking about the match 
I do get a lot of uh, positive feedback saying how much everybody loves the alternate commentary and people do like our, uh, you know, our soft introduction of just talking about what's going on in our like, personal lives. Uh, and, and I like doing that. I like kind of, you know, not just going right into the stardom stuff. I, we don't want to be robotic. We don't want to be like, Tam is great. Momo kicks hard. We miss Arissa. Triple H free Io Shirai. You know, we don't we don't want to be like that. We want to have the fun, talk about what's going on, and then eventually in hour four, we get into the stardom talk. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> but uh, yes, that is what's going on on our Patreon uh, this week there, good sir. Yeah, it's all go. Um, I'm looking forward to it. That what if, that what if fancy booking episode was uh, was an absolute blast to do, and obviously we've got a lot coming up over the next couple of weeks. We've got um, our round table, our second monthly round table, that's coming up um, in the next couple of weeks. That's with uh, Alison Danger looking at our top five women's wrestlers of all time so be sure to check that out because it's going to be incredibly entertaining it's always a blast talking to Alison um but um Matt it's been I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times now it has been a week in the world of stardom um it's been sort of overshadowed by I think it's fair to say divisive papers sure. I've seen um quite a lot of you know positivity surrounding the match quality i've seen quite a bit of negativity surrounding some of the booking choices um uh, overall before we dive into first some of the build-up shows and then into flashing champions itself as an overall what did you think of flashing champions as a show i think the show was pretty good um for, and, and then the last two matches were just fantastic it's like the Artist of Stardom championship match was excellent, phenomenal. It just seems like they're always, they last a year and a half, two years. The, the trios division uh, has just been on fire. It's been fantastic. When they have one of these matches, it's on pay per view and they give it time. You know, you're going to see something special. Nobody is doing trios action anywhere like Stardom over the past year. So I absolutely love that. And the main event, I mean, I know me and you talked quite a bit, um, you know, either texting or even before. We hit the record button yesterday. I absolutely loved that Tamina match. I went back and watched it about 24 hours after with no, you know, removing my phone, removing my notebook. So I didn't, I wasn't taking any notes. And it's very rare for me to go back and watch a match a second time just because I'm just so busy and I just don't have the time. But I absolutely loved that match. And then I went back and watched it and kind of picked apart the psychology. And basically, we're kind of the in the psychology factor where like mean is two big mistakes are, but certain th- little things I didn't notice, I noticed the second time around, and I love the match even more. And obviously, when we get into it, I will kind of break everything down on the match. But for overall show, it was pretty good. But those last two matches were were was where uh, the money was worth, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. The match quality, I think, wasn't necessarily the issue. I think it's. Uh some of the more startling and quite surprising booking decisions. And yet again, it's another chapter in the long, arduous story of why Matt and Rob do not do predictions. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to go into one bit of news. Um, and it's only because if we don't do it here, we'll get that caught up talking about flashing champions that we might not do it. So uh, during the show, it is sort of um, customary 
during the pay-per-views for after the second match um, uh, an announcement is made and ordinarily that is your next pay-per-view uh, but as we inch ever closer to the five-star Grand Prix uh, we actually had our f- almost full lineup so uh, there's a couple of things to talk about with this lineup first of all um, it's going to be considerably less than last year. It's going to return to a 20-person tournament after being 26 last year. Um, of those 20 people, 18 were announced on the pay-per-view with two vacant slots, which we'll be getting into in a moment. Um, uh, this tournament, of course, is going to be starting on uh, January, uh, sorry, January, <laughs> July 23rd at Outerward City Gym, which, of course, is where flashing champions took place so in no particular order these are your first 18 competitors in the five-star grand prix this year fingers crossed save for injury something like that so we've got suzu suzuki mina shirakawa amisuri mirai suri seori anu natsupoi tam nakano micah julia pardon me hiccups Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Natsukatora, Saya Kamatani, Azumi, Utami Hayashishita, Hazuki, and Mayu Iwatani. Now, first thing to know is we do not have block breakdowns as of yet. Um, a couple of other things to know is that um, the f- final two positions are going to be filled via a rumble that is going to be taking place, I believe, um, in the middle of June, I think. Um, And that is going to have these people involved. Uh, Kagama, Momokogo, Saya Ida, Hina, uh, Miyu Amasaki, Lady C, Mei Sakurai, Tekla, Saki Kashima, Fukukin Death, Ruwaka, Waka Tsukiyama, Mariah Mei, Mei Seira, Yuna Mizumori, Hanako, and Aya Sakura. One big omission from that list, of course, is um, Hannon. Um, Hannon, unfortunately, suffered an injury and will be out for a month. So she looks like she will be missing out, which is a terrible shame because I would have liked to have seen this be Hannon's breakout tournament. Um, Sky Wrestling has sort of delved into it a little bit more and just said that Xena's still on the shows, just not in the Rumble, which is good. It means that Xena's still on tour. However, Jesse hasn't been announced on the new cards, which we'll be going into a bit later, which sort of seems to allude to the fact that her tour might be over with Stardom. Um, so, Matt, first things first, um, 20 competitors in the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix this year. Definitely a breath of fresh air after the 26 last year, which was just so many more matches. Um, are you surprised with some of the names omitted from that initial 18? I mean, Kogama, um, Tekla, Saki Kashima. Um, I'm surprised by Mariah May, Saya Ida not in the tournament either. And obviously only two can qualify. Um are you surprised, and who do you see qualifying from that uh, from that rumble? Yeah, I mean, you look at the field; it's basically uh, all killer, no filler. I mean, again, twenty six. It was a lot last year. However, I mean, we've gone on record saying it's the best five star ever, and it's one of the best 
tournaments you know ever in wrestling you take all the fantastic stuff from all japan and the champions carnival in the 90s and the last handful of uh, g1 climaxes and it ranks right up there with all of them so uh i didn't really have a problem with the uh, the 26 field it was made me really uh condense my time and really pay attention to time and you know uh, accentuate all the time but if you um if you look at the brackets there's really not one person you could say i don't see them I can't see them as somebody that's still alive going into the final night where it's like, okay, I know Yunagi, Momo Kogo, I know Hanan, um, I know Koguma. Those those people, they'll have a decent run and you'll have some good matches, but there's, there's no way they're going to be live going in the final night. Like every single person, I'm like, I can see them having going into the final night or final two nights of them still being alive. So this is this tournament is really up in the air um, as far as – it was kind of actually funny as – as uh, I always say on this podcast, I do not speak Japanese, and I really, really need to learn how to. And I, I really, really should start. Um, as as I was watching this pay per view live, I'm just seeing random people being announced, and I have no idea what they're saying until at the very end, they're like five star Grand Prix. And I'm like, well, if I would have known this was the announcement for the five star, I would have taken notes. Um, so I just, I don't think they're just announcing <laughs> random people. Like, is this a video game or a new card game? Like, I didn't know. And I do have to put over how uh, when they made the not so point announcement, she was sitting in a dryer. That was oh great. my god it was amazing <laughs> i thought that was great every other person is being like sexy <laughs> or intimidating no no not supposed to in a tumble dry i think that uh mariah or momo watanabe was in like uh hospital room because i thought i saw like blood bags or something like that i think that was it like, was mariah <laughs> yeah well <laughs> not boy was like i thought it was just like it might have been a case where we're like all right we just need like a quick 15 second promo of you guys just standing there for the uh for the five star not supposed like you know, here's a room with a dryer. I'm just going to sit in it, and that's what people are going to remember. So good on Natsupoy for stealing the show. But I did not know until you made that announcement, good sir, of how they were going to do the next two X's. Um, I know that Hana was injured, so I figured she would have been one of them. Like, well, she's got to qualify, right? Or if not, if she uh, didn't qualify, that maybe they would give, fingers crossed, they would just, on the shows, they would just give Wingori a whole bunch of string of wins, and then on the final night, they come out and they challenge the new heirs, um, saying, you know, uh, hey, in the future, you know, we want a tag title shot. I didn't know she's going to be out that long. Um, my first two thoughts on the X's were one was going to be Hanan, and then maybe, because Kyrie has ma- made it very clear she wants to work more dates with stardom, but this being a shorter field, I thought maybe that's where they would go. I thought maybe uh, Sari, uh, maybe she that's where she would make her stardom debut. Um, especially for how fantastic she looked in that match with Hashimoto and at the Hanakamura tribute show. But obviously they still can put them in the rumble, you know, last minute or as a surprise. But you probably have to look at Tekla. And mm, I'm not going to say Koguma because I think what they're going to do is they're going to have some high-speed matches on these shows to mix in with the um, the five-star. I'm going to say Tekla and Mariah May, since it seems like we're obviously building Mariah May up to an IWGP championship match, uh, which will probably happen beforehand, but at the same time, you don't want her to lose to Mayu, which, I mean, let's face it, that's probably what's just going to happen, and then just completely kind of, like, sweep her under the rug going forward. I think she's more than earned her keep, but uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to say Tekla and Mariah May. How about you, buddy? I think Mariah May's a shoo-in to be honest. Oh, that's um, a kiss of death, buddy. Sorry, Mariah May. <laughs> yeah. So Mariah May's not qualifying. Um, 
I don't know. There's the way they're pushing Mariah May at the moment. It seems to be you know the very hot on it. And also, it's worth noting that Mina Shirakawa is the only representative at the moment from um, from Club Venus. So you know, having another member from that faction, it might be worth doing. Um, I can't look past May Sakurai. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do feel that Hannon absolutely would have been a member of this five-star field. Um, and it's it's such a shame. It's like Sai Rida a couple of years Tecla, ago. Tecla last year. Yeah, remember she got she was Tecla announced. last yeah. year, yeah. Um, I mean, I could see them maybe putting Wakasuki armor in there, to be fair. Um, but if you're looking at, you know, you've got to fill out these undercards as well. So, you know, your likes of Momo Kogo, your likes of uh, Miyu Amasaki, your likes of Lady C, I don't think they'll stand a chance, really. You can't really bet against Saki Kashima. I'm sort of surprised that Saki hasn't made the initial field, if I'm honest. Um, but as high-speed champion, you know, you could do something on the uh, undercards with her. They're really hot on May Sakurai at the moment, and they're really hot on Mariah May. It would make sense to be those two if you're not going to be able to put Hannon in. Yeah, we'll see. But I mean, yeah, thought. yeah, absolutely, buddy. It's a good point. It's a good point. It's interesting to see now. Is it just one rumble and the last two people? Or are they doing rumbles like back to back? I don't know off the top of my head. I think it's a singular rumble, and I think it's on the 18th of January. 18th of January. What is wrong with me today? <laughs> June. Um, I think it's on the 18th of June. Um, and I, the way that it's phrased, and again, I'm relying on uh, Sky Wrestling's translations, always does fantastic words, at work at Scott E Wrestling on Twitter. Um, it looks like it's just going to be one rumble. Um, so, again, that's... It's a tough field, but by cutting that field down to 20 again, you make this a must-see tournament. There is no dead weight. I mean, there's no dead weight on, you know, in stardom anyway. Um, but you look at that, and it is all banger matchups. You look at this field, and like, Natsukatora could go on a tear through this tournament. Hazuki, Mika, Sioria Nu, um, Amisori Z had a really good end to the tournament. Azumi, yeah. Mirai had a fantastic tournament last year. And then you've got, you know, your old hats that are always going to pull out fantastic matches. Mai Wiwitani, Hazuki, Tam Nakano. All of these people are going to have fantastic tournaments. I wouldn't bet against Mina Shirakawa. Especially uh -huh. the way it's been booked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it would not surprise me if that's where they're going with the five-star this year. Um, you know, Starlight Kid. That's another way we could go. Um, there's literally, and I'll say it again, there is no dead weight there. Every single match is going to be a banger. Um, and I'm very, very much excited. In fact, the only thing that I wasn't really enamoured with... Um, and it offended me to my very, very core, Ooh. is um, what the hell is that five-star logo? Oh, I, didn't... <laughs> I could not work it out at all. I didn't even look at it yet. I didn't have to look at it when we get off the show. <laughs> I, was, I was just so entranced the fact that I didn't take any notes on who was on the five-star and the fact that we had Natsupoy sitting in a, a dryer, you know? Do you know what I'm going to do, Matt? <laughs> I, because I want to have your live reaction to this, 
I'm going to put it in our Discord now. Oh, boy. I want you to have a look. It's an article uh, on Fight Club. Okay. And there you go. There's the logo. All right. Here we go, folks. Here we go. Oh, boy. It looks like an old NES video game. Like, I'm trying to play Marble Madness. I'm going to try to get the marble from one side to the other for two <laughs> clocks. I feel like I'm Simon <laughs> Belmont in the clock tower in Castlevania. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> I guess they decide, hey, here's the deal. Either we have to have a really good logo on a terrible field, or we have to have a terrible logo on a really good field. <laughs> like, you know what? We're going to go with the second one because <laughs> I think that's what they did. Maybe that's what they did. They spent all the budget money on the talent and not the logo. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not good at all. But anywho, uh, if that's where Stardom's going to whip on this whole tournament, Rob, I shall take a good save. I shall take oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, one question I absolutely one question I wanted to bring up with you is now that there's a smaller field, you think they're going to go back to 20 minute time limits, or do you think that the the matches will get a little bit more time? For example, I know I just gave you two two loaded questions, but I I just uh, we just released and I finished the uh, Suzu Suzuki her run last year. She has a main event match with Mayu and Cork and Hot, which is fantastic, but it only goes like nine minutes and forty five seconds. So maybe that goes to closer to 20 minutes, or if they give the 15-minute time limit, a match like that, it may go like 13, 14 minutes. What do, you, what do you think on that there, good sir? I think it completely depends on how they are going to structure the tournament. If they're going to do it where every night there is 10 matches from the blocks, then I think they'll probably keep the match time shorter. However, if they do it like they did last year where you have, you know, two matches on a card and then five matches on a card and then three matches on a card, then obviously they've got time limits to play with. I think it just depends on the breakdown. Um, if they do it like the G1 Climax where literally you've got one block of five matches every night and you've got a couple of undercard matches, then you can play with time limits. But if they try and do seven or eight matches per show. I think you're going to see a lot of six, seven, eight, nine-minute matches. Um, but again, it, it completely depends. Um, I'm happy that they've cut down that field um, because it does make it feel more... Um, special. More special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and no disrespect to those people that have been um, sort of cut from the last show, the likes of uh, Yumomokogo, Yukogama, Yusaki Kashima, people like that. Um, but it does mean that I'd have to sit through uh, 10 Fukigan death matches or nine Fukigan death matches, which uh, is always a go fast, though. They go fast. <laughs> She's not putting in 15 minute bangers with Micah. Like, let's call, let's call, like we see. It's like, all right, kids, you got, you got 20 minute time limit, you got 17 minutes. Get out of there. Match one, go get them. <laughs> you say that, mate. She pulled out a bloody moonsault <laughs> at Flashy Champions. Where the hell did that come she from? She did the match with Mayu. Remember the SWA match where it's like, well, it's, oh, it's, it's, yes, like, it's like, well, it's like, how is she wrestling Mayu? Like, technically, she's an alien. She came out to the Star Wars theme. <laughs> the Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, let's just kick through these uh, sort of shows, the remainder of Golden Week. They're not all up yet still, so we can't talk about the generational eight-woman tag, which I want to talk about. That will be next week's job. Um, but in terms of the shows that we do know, we have got one from the 13th, which was from Chiba. We're going to go through these really quickly, otherwise I am very aware that this show is going to be about 20 hours long. <laughs> um, so the first 
first show we'll talk about is the 13th of May, and this was from TKP Garden City Chiba in Chiba, Japan. 353 people in attendance, which was a sellout. Um, on the card, we had Fukikin Death and Rina defeating Hanako and Lady C with shock of the day. Fukikin <laughs> Death getting the win in 6 minutes and 52 seconds with the O'Connor roll. Uh, we then had a five-way match with Mei Sakurai defeating Ayusakura, Micah, Ramkai Chow, and Yuna Mizumori in what can only be described as a little bit of an upset. Um, tag team match then, the team of Meisera and Suzu Suzuki defeating the team of Ruwaka and Starlight Kid with Suzu Suzuki pinning Ruwaka in 9 minutes and 33 seconds with the tequila shot. Um, Mafia Bella then, Julia and Tekla defeated the Club Venus team of Jesse and Mariah May with Julia getting the pinfall or the submission, should I say, over Jesse with the stealth Viper. Um, we had a 10-woman tag then. The stars team of Hanan, Hazuki, Koguma, Mayu Iwatani, and Saida defeated the infighting team of Queen's Quest of Azumi, Hina, Miyu Amasaki, Sayakamatani, and Yutami Hayashista with Hanan getting the pinfall in 13 minutes and 5 seconds. We then had a very, very, very good match, which I'd urge you to check out. Uh, Six-man tag team match. The Awedatai team of Momo Watanabe, Natsukatora, and Saki Kashima defeating the God's Eye team of Amisori, Mirai, and Suri with Momo Watanabe tapping Mirai out with a brutal knee bar after they assaulted Mirai's knee. And then in your main event, we had the Cosmic Angels team of Natsukator and uh, Natsukator and Natsupoi, Sayori Anu and Tam Nakano defeating the Club Venus team of Mina Shirakawa, Wakasukiyama and Zena with Anu getting the pinfall over Wakasukiyama with the wonderfully titled Pottering in 12 minutes and 14 seconds. Um, Matt, obviously, I know you want to talk about a weather tie versus God's Eye, but what else stuck out to you on this? I want to talk about match one. Second one in. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, uh, the whole show was it was it was pretty stellar. Obviously, the uh, semi main and the mains were the ones to go to. But real quick, I Starlight Kid and Suzu Suzuki, give me that all day, please. Holy geez, they have great chemistry. And again, I mentioned it just a, a minute or two ago. Go back and watch their match from the five star. It actually took place mm -hmm. on um, one of the showcase and stardom shows, just because Suzu was, I think she had COVID on like night one and she couldn't make the first week of the tour. And that was supposed to be um, uh, one of the matches on there. But anywho, yeah, I mean, Suzu Suzuki and Starlight could have such great chemistry. And I really hope that they're lined up in the same brackets again this year. So I thought that was a really good standout from the undercard. But yeah, probably let's let's get right into it. Let's get into the co-main event of the God's Eye team versus the Oedotai team. Um, they did a really good job building Momo and Tora up in a lot of these matches leading up to uh, that match, uh, their championship match uh, against... Uh, the new eras, excuse me, on me and Mirai. I think I even texted you as this match was going and getting building towards the end. And I said, you need to watch this match. because I think this is going to play into their championship match. And it, and it really did. So uh, it's nice that Momo Watanabe, she has this heel persona, but now she, I guess now she has a submission hold. And I hope this wasn't like a one-off or like a one-time thing just to build towards this match. I hope this is something that we see more and more for her. Cause I thought she did a great job building towards the leg submission. Obviously, Momo has a lot of really good mid kicks 
and head kicks. And maybe we'll see her building towards this submission with a lot of like low leg kicks, like, you know, uh, K1 boxer, Ernest Hoots, Ernest Hoots, Hoost, easy for me to say, would throw those low leg kicks, you know, to break down his opponent, you know, going to the later rounds of the match. And maybe we'll see that with Momo using her, her devastating kicks to beat apart and take apart her opponent's leg to get in that, uh, that alternate version of the Indian death lock. Um, Saki captain was great here as well, as well as, you know, Shuri and Mariah selling, I mean, uh, putting Momo Watanabe, her new, uh, submission finisher over. I thought her selling was fantastic here. All in all, I thought this was a great match. My favorite match from the show. I gave it four stars. Yeah, it was really good. And to be fair, it was an excellent precursor to their championship match at Flashing Champions, which you mentioned, where the story continued to be all about Mirai's knee. I think Mirai's selling really, really improved um, because I've seen people's people's criticism of Mirai, those people that have criticisms of Mirai, um, is that she can be quite bland. And... <sighs> Though I don't necessarily agree, I can sort of understand where they're coming from. However, here, I felt like the the way she was selling, the emotion she was putting into it, and the real distress she seemed to be in made it so easy to get behind her as that baby face. And that was actually the story of their championship match as well, where actually it was Amisori coming in to save Mirai and not the other way around. And they spent a lot of time building Mirai as this underdog hero. And I think it's a good I think it's a good way of doing it and endearing her even more to the fans, especially as we know that she's going to be challenging for singles gold very, very soon. Thoroughly enjoyed the match. Um really really into Natsukatora at the moment I just I think she's really underrated and this is coming from me who spent a good portion of the early days of this podcast just ripping into her for being boring and uninteresting yeah here she is she's really under I'd love to see her go on a run in this five star I don't think she will do simply because stardom's got so many plates spinning at the moment but I think she's really good and I think the team of her and Momo Watanabe a really underrated team. I know it's usually Momo and Starlight Kid that team as Black Desire and uh, Tora and Ruaka as BMI 2000, but I would love to see more of Tora and Momo Watanabe because their tag team offense, their chemistry, the way they wrestle, and the fact that they're both power wrestlers, I feel like they really seamlessly gelled before uh, before their tag match, and I think they did well on these uh, on these air quotes road two shows. Uh, I gave it three and three quarters. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. And then obviously we had our main event, which I know you're going to want to talk about, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really digging this version of Cosmic Angels, considering the fact for all about ninety seconds we thought the Cosmic Angels was disbanding at the end of the Cinderella tournament. And Sora New says, no, I'll join you guys. And then it's like, okay, well, Natsupoi is fantastic. And then uh, like a week later, Tam wins the red belt. And then three weeks later, Tam wins the white belt. So it's like, oh, wow, that was a really quick switch. You know, they usually, uh, Rossi Ogawa is the start of booking. They try to break you down and build you back up. They broke Cosmic Angels down for literally an hour. <laughs> and that was it. But anywho, um, obviously, uh, Mina, uh, Jesse, and Waka, they work really well together as well. I think the Club Venus, these tag matches and trios matches, the way that uh, all, you know, Waka, Jesse, Zena, Mina, and Mariah May, the way they work together is really, really well. And it is completely different from the other 84 factions in stardom. 
But this was really good. I really enjoyed how um, Tam and uh, and the Natsu point will they'll get the advantage with like a melt here traditional style double team, and then Sori New will come in and then they'll do like a really really cool uh, triple team, and then you'll see like some uh, Sori New and Natsu point double team stuff like some of the stuff we saw we saw in the uh, the restart matches as well. But um, and then you see basically Tam and Mina just form fest, just beating the crap out of each other. And then I liked how the match is breaking down. And then Walk of all people was like, yeah, I'm going to be the one to do the dive to settle all this down and get the crowd pop. It's like, okay, now we have Lucha Waka on it. I'm all here for it. <laughs> so I thought that was really good. I thought Soria knew how, how um, her and Waka, as they built towards the finish, I thought that was really good. I thought Soria knew really gave Waka enough to get her over and then, you know, to build her towards that finish only for Soria knew to beat her. Um, you know, with that, what I'm going to call the, I know it's called the Potter ring, but I might call it the backslide from heaven. Cause that's what it reminds me quite a bit of the uh, Genki Horiguchi from uh, Dragon Gate, his backslide from heaven. So really good match. Uh, again, it only went a little bit over 12 minutes. It was, you know, basically as soon as the bell rang, it was all go there. Um, and again, just the way that Tam works well, obviously with Natsupoy, um, I think the two of them, if they were just the constant tag team, I think they would easily be the best team in all of stardom. Obviously, probably not going to have that for a while because it just seems like Tam is going on a Roman Reigns run. It's just she's a better worker. <clears throat> Anywho, uh, but no, I, I really enjoyed <laughs> this version of Cosmic Angels, um, the way that they work together on the trios. And again, the uh, you're taking the people from Club Venus. You know, it's a newer faction. Obviously, Mina Shirakawa is a staple main eventer now, and we'll get into that more when we talk about their, her match with Tam, but you have a lot of these newer faces that weren't here at the beginning of the year, you know, and uh, Jesse, Zena, uh, Mariah Mays doing fan. We put her over all the time on the podcast or just improvement from show to show. And then Waka is doing a really good job fitting in as well. Uh, even though she doesn't do any dancing at all, she just comes out and she just does the clapping around. I'm like, all right, well, they, at least she knows her role. She's like, I'm not going to try to dance. I'm just going to do the clap to get the crowd into it. And uh, and to be fair, when they have these multi-person matches, nobody's watching her anyway. They're watching Mina Mariah May, who uh, just, uh, they just chew up the scenery on this dance. I, I may say that Mariah May may do the Mina dance better than Mina. Like she is like 110% <laughs> in it. But no, it's, I, I really like to seeing just the improvement on all of the wrestlers. Again, especially the newer ones going forward. It was this time last year where the newer wrestlers were, uh, Mirai and Tekla. Obviously, Mirai, look, look where she is. She's a, a proven main eventer. And uh, Tekla, it seems like ever since she's come back from her shoulder injury, is much more aggressive um, with her with her style. But anywho, getting back to this match, sorry, I went off uh, on a kilter there. All in all, I thought this was a great match. I gave it uh, three and three-fourth stars. Yeah, I gave it three and a quarter, three and three quarter stars as well. I do, I do like the fact that we've got something of an identity crisis with Wacker, who's gone from uh, being sad, depressed, always losing Wacker, to sexy Wacker in uh, Club <laughs> Venus, to Lucha Wacker here. Um, she just seems to be desperately trying to find that niche. But in all seriousness, I think she's massively, massively improved. That Club Venus trio um, is fantastic. Um, and again, it gave you a real sense if you didn't already know sort of not necessarily even the hatred between Shirakawa and Tam. It was more, I have to beat you, this burning desire. And it be, you got a real sense of the venom and the visceral 
sort of nature of this feud during this match, some of the strikes that they put in on each other. But again, this was another example of Mariah May's improvement in the ring. She was able to hang with the likes of High Speed Natsupoy, of the the unnaturally bendy Sayori Anu um, and Tam as well. So yeah, I'm hoping she gets a chance um, in the five stocks. It'll be good to see her mix it up, especially with the likes of you know people like Mayu and people like Tam on a one-on-one setting. But yeah, it's a good match. If you're going to check out this show from the 13th in Chiba, highly recommend those final two matches. I think I preferred the Oeda time match. Me too. But that's because I'm that's because I'm a little bit of a sucker for a limb match, and Marai sold it so well. Um, we then had, and finally on Stardom World, we actually have the full card of Stardom Last Jumbo Princess. Um, so Himika's retirement show in its entirety is now up on Stardom World. Matt, I know when I was off with my uh, prediction migraine um, that you <laughs> talked a bit about, <laughs> about Himika's actual retirement ceremony and the Gauntman match, which, if anything, just went to show the depth and variety of the Stardom roster. You had a baseball match in the middle of it. Sure, why not? You had dances with Kogama. You had sexy Himika. It was it was a it was a great time. One of the best um, retirement gauntlets. And if you haven't already seen it, I highly highly recommend it. Um, but also on this show, we had um, uh, it was in front of one thousand five hundred nine people, by the way, which was listed as another sellout. Um, May Sarah defeating Aya Sakura in six minutes and eleven seconds with a drop kick. Uh, Micah defeating Ruaka and Suzu Suzuki in three way action with in four minutes and twenty six seconds with a jackknife. Uh, we then had a 10-woman tag match um, with the Club Venus team of Jesse, Zena, Mariah May, Wakazuki Yama, and Mina Shirakawa defeating the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Saiyi, the Hanan, Kogama, and Hazuki with Mariah May picking up the pin in 9 minutes and 19 seconds with the happily ever after. Pardon me. We then have a six-woman tag with the God's Eye team of Amisori, Mirai, and Suri defeating um, Nene Takahashi, Yuna Mizumori, and Hanako with Amisori getting the pin over Hanako with the Blue Thunder Bomb. Um, we then had a 12-woman tag match with the Uenatai team of Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe, Fukin Death, Wina Saki Kashima, and Starlight Kid defeating the dysfunctional Queen's Quest um, of Yutami Hayashisa, Sayakamatani, Azumi, Hina, Lady C, and Miu Amasaki with Fukin Death. Again, it's a multi-woman tag. You know Fukin <laughs> Death is going to pick up the win. Um, getting the pin over Lady C with a um, O'Connor roll. And then in the semi-main, the main event, of course, being that fantastic gauntlet match, um, we had Cosmic Angels team of Natsupoi, Siori Inu, and Tam Nakano taking on the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia May Sakurai and Tekla and it going to a 15-minute time limit draw. Oh, he's willing to put time limit draws on this show. <laughs> Relax. Good grief. Um, this is Charlie Brown's podcast. So if you had Rob making honestly, a Charlie Brown reference on your bingo card, fill it in, folks. <laughs> like, um, I was... I was don't get me wrong, I actually really enjoyed that semi-main. I thought it was fantastic. There's there's just a little bit of magic 
whenever Tam and Julia are in the same ring. And obviously now Tam having the upper hand, it's a completely different dynamic in that matchup. So that's always really fun. Natsupoy and Tekla are another pair who have fantastic chemistry and they showed that here. They showed that at the pay-per-view as well. May Sakurai is just a completely rejuvenated character. I can't believe it's the same person. But that for me, that and the unbelievable gauntlet match, which is about an hour long. I think it's just under an hour. Um, and she goes through the entire roster and everybody has just completely different one minute matches. And I say matches because again, Mayu has a baseball match <laughs> with her, um, including one point where she absolutely launches this baseball. Like she just, she lobs it into the crowd. She really does sort of softly lob it. But here she absolutely launches it. And obviously um, Himika misses it because she's using um, Momo's bat that the referee had stolen off her. The referee gets it right in the plums, like right in the jimmies. And the poor bloke has to try and sell like it doesn't hurt. And it's like, my, you proper launches it at him. Um, But yeah, like, it, it's a really, really fun time. It's uh, There's nothing serious in there. Nobody's wrestling to win necessarily. It's just a great time and a great way to see off Himika into retired life. But Matt, apart from that gauntlet match, which I know you've already talked about, what else on this card piqued your interest? I just really quick just want to talk about the 12-person tag. I thought... When I was when I was getting ready to watch this, I'm like, all right, that's just too much. I love Oedo Tai. Obviously, Queen's Quest is my favorite faction in Star and one of my favorite factions of all time in any wrestling. But I'm like, that's too much. But the fact is that this thing goes a little bit over eight minutes. It's actually a really fun match. Like, it starts with your Oedo Tai jump, right? And I'm like, of course, why wouldn't it? And usually that usually leads to, like, an all-out crazy brawl, especially in Cork and Hall. But what it leads to is Azumi just, like, taking a page out of Hazuki's book and just going nuts. Like, they get the quick quick jump advantage, and Azumi just starts going nuts on Saki Cash and Fukin Death. And then basically everybody has, like, their own little spot to get over. So for a match that has 12 different people and barely goes over eight minutes, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Um, but, yeah, the uh, I guess what you call the semi-main event of uh, uh, the Cosmic Angels versus Donald Del Mundo. I thought it was great how it went. they went to go start with Julia and Tam in the ring, and they're both like, no, 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 let's, and then they, like, no, we've done this one too many times, and then they go and tag out, like, and like, oh, man, we're not going to see Tam and Julia, and, and because, like, they're kind of little, they're, they're, they're a little, not bored, but they're a little burned out of fighting each other, and then as the match ramps up, they punch each other in the face for real. Uh, but yeah, that match was great, obviously, there's, Soria New and Julia, and obviously we'll get into it in Flashing Champions, there's clearly something brewing there. They clearly have really good chemistry, and they're clearly building to a match somewhere down the line between the two, between the two of them. I can't wait. Obviously, they're doing something, too, with uh, Tekla and Natsupoy, um, just between the uh, just how violent those two have been getting on this tour and in that championship match at Flashing Champions, and not to mention the... Uh, the fact that Tekla was able to get under Natsupoy's skin so much that, that we had foul-mouthed Natsupoy a few weeks ago at a press conference. So uh, not only that, but I guess Julia and Tekla, when they throw their sandwich forearms, they they before they, I don't know if you noticed, Rob, before they throw that forearm sandwich, they uh, they throw that obscenity out. So um, I'm not sure if all of stardom is for kids anymore, but regardless, I thought the match was great. <laughs> had no problem with the time limit draw. My favorite match uh, from the show, obviously not including the hour uh 
you know, uh, Himika uh, ceremony, but I had that uh, at four stars. I was just curious, what was your star rating of the um, of the uh, Team Julia versus Team Pam? At four and a quarter. Thoroughly, Ooh, thoroughly very it. rarity that you like a match better than me, especially that one one that has Miss Tam Nakano in it as well. Absolutely. Maybe your love of Tam is just Let's, all right. I don't know what's in your tea there, my friend. Let's take it easy. <laughs> um, I, I, maybe you're just a bit overexposed. Maybe she's overexposed to you. Maybe you're seeing too much Tam. Not really. I did just get a whole bunch of Tam stickers in the mail yesterday that I sold out half of my inventory within about an hour of, I me, of me posting. Then I had a litany a litany of people text me as I was trying to watch the first uh, Spider-Verse movie uh, with Amber last night because we we're going to go see it um, this weekend. A litany of people texting me saying, when are the shirts coming out? Can you drop some off at the comic shop? Do you have any on you right now? I'm like, no, I don't wholesale these shirts. So uh, calm down, folks. <laughs> the Tam Nakano shirts will be up on our website hopefully pretty soon. Anywho, um, I do have to ask you, sir, and I probably know this answer. Did you get a little teary-eyed at some point in time during the uh, Himika retirement ceremony? I did. I wasn't quite as emotional as when um, she had the match with Micah, and I think that's just because it was so well crafted, and you just, I just wasn't ready for Micah to break character the way she did. Um, there were moments during this, you know, the moments where she beat Julia, the moment with Nat Sapoy, um, the moment with Micah again. You know, all these moments, I was very much like. I'm going to miss her so much. <laughs> but um, I think, pardon me, more than the sadness, it was more joy because it, it was just a really, a really enjoyable three quarters of an hour or whatever it was with entrances and everybody played their part. Yeah, I mentioned it on the uh, on the podcast a few weeks ago when I reviewed this segment that it was kind of like the whole, yeah, the whole massive point thing where it's like they threw away their beef and, uh, you know, the whole thing where she never really got a win over Julia and then Julia basically pulled her on top of her so she can get that win over Julia. I thought that was nice. But the thing that really, really, even, you know, I'm obviously a huge fan of all Japan uh, when in the 90s when Jun Akiyama came out, obviously Jun Akiyama's. But oh, yeah, God, that yeah. that was I was I was kind of teetering on a lot of it. But what got me is that the the like it's one of the final scenes is when Donald Del Mundo carried her out of the arena and they get to the where the entrance way is and they have the camera back there and they all do like a big hug. And I was like, Oh, that got me. I'm like, Oh, that just totally crushed me because it's like here's this entrance way in Cork and well where Himika and all those members of Donald Delmon have so many great matches. And it's like they carry her out and she just she's out, basically out of Plane's eye from the crowd. It's like it's done, it's over at this like hour segment where you know she comes out in the dress and it's like, oh by the way, you're gonna have a 30 person gauntlet and then everybody's gonna give you flowers and this or that. It's like it's done, it's over with, and then but the the camera's still there and the last thing they do is just kind of just give her one last big hug goodbye. I was like that what that's the one that broke me that would that that final scene was just and it was beautiful i think i told you i said this whole segment like when you key up that segment i started well i think it's the whole thing's over an hour but you don't need you're having so much fun you don't even realize it's that long it's like oh geez we're at the end of this already because it's just literally non-stop fun for like an hour and if you have not checked it out uh i i encourage to um anybody that's a fan of himika which i believe everybody is 
uh, definitely go out because it's one of the best retirement ceremonies I've ever seen. And again, nothing too, too serious. It wasn't like Kenta Kabashi's retirement, which it was like he had this phenomenal 10-person tag match. Uh, you know, we had Kawada coming down to the ramp, giving him flowers and whatnot. It was just a very fun uh, segment. Uh, other than the Oedo tie, um, just beating her up for like 10 minutes in the crowd. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess like you don't have the heel faction. You're just going to they have all their minutes back to back to back to back with them just throwing poor Himika through chairs after she's wrestled for 20 minutes. <laughs> Dude, a tie got a wet They did, hey, they didn't play character at all, but then they gave her the avatar shirt of her if she was Momo or Ruwaka or something like that. That, <laughs> that was great. It was a fantastic shirt. I want that t-shirt. <laughs> it was fantastic. Hopefully they'll sell that on uh, the Stardom store. One final thing, that there seemed to be some sort of alliance forming between Suzu, Suzuki, and Micah. And uh, that was something that was, again, sort of cemented during the pay-per-view again, because obviously Suzu, Suzuki, and Micah were teaming in that six-woman tag. I wonder if we are inching ever closer to Suzu, Suzuki joining Donna Del Mondo, Matt. That is a possibility. They kind of need somebody to fill that void. Uh, again, not unless there's a, maybe that's the way they want you to see it. And then there's a left curveball with maybe her going to Queen's Quest, depending on what's going with on with them, which I'm not going to lie. Obviously, we'll probably talk about it in a little bit with uh, that five-on-five cage match. Uh, it's a match that I, as great as it's going to be, kind of don't want to watch it because I think I'm going to uh, I think Shawn Michaels might be booking that match uh, in my house because I might just be the heartbreak kid during that match but uh, <laughs> we'll get into that more later yeah that is a possibility they, again they kind of do need a heavy hitter um, since Himika's left but at the same time they're doing a great job building up Tekla and May Sakurai as well so uh, another interesting thing to see uh, with the booking of Sardom Absolutely. Let's talk about the last show that is now up on Stardom World, and that is from the 19th of May. This is from Koryama in Fukushima, Japan, at the Fukushima Big Pallet in front of 432 people. It's also the day of Sayurida's birthday, which uh, they gave her a win which I thought was quite nice. She so rarely gets pins nowadays. Um, but we opened with a tag team match with Meisera and Suzu Suzuki defeating the rookie team of Ayasakura and Hanako in 6 minutes and 43 seconds with Meisera getting the pinfall with a dropkick. Uh, Saki Kashima then defeated Saya Kamatani and Yuna Mizumori in a three-way again in 7 minutes and 53 seconds with Saki getting the win with the Kish Kasai. Um, we then had a tag team match, the Oedetai team of Ruwaka and Starlight Kid defeating the Queen's Quest team of Azumi and Miyu Amasaki in 9 minutes and 27 seconds with Ruwaka getting the win over Miyu Amasaki with a powerbomb. We then had uh, Micah and Tekla defeating the team of Momo Watanabe and Natsukatora uh, by countout in 8 minutes and 58 seconds. No, it's great disqual way to disqualification. Disqualification, sorry, I don't know why I said countout. Um, which is a great way to build your tag team uh, challenges, but there we are. Um, we then had another tag team match, the God's Eye team of Amisuri and Suri defeating the Queen's Quest team of Lady C and Utami Hayashishta in 10 minutes and 59 seconds with Amisori getting the pin with the Like a Thunderbolt. 
Um, we then got a tag team match in the semi-main. Cosmic Angels team of Natsupoy and Tam Nakano. Meltia taking on the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia and Mei Sakurai. With Tam getting the pin over Mei Sakurai in 10 minutes and 14 seconds with the Tiger Suplex. And then in our main event, as I mentioned, uh, we have got a 10-woman tag stars team of Hanan, Hazuki, Kogama, Mayu Iwatani, and Sayurida, defeating the Club Venus team of Jesse, Mariah May, Mina Shirakawa, Wakasuki Yama, and Zena in 15 minutes and 6 seconds, with Sayurida getting the pin over Wakasuki Yama. So aside from that nice little birthday present we got for Sayurida, which as I mentioned before is somewhat of a rarity at the moment, um, Matt, what else would you recommend checking out on this show? Rob, a little, little trivia question for you, good sir. So obviously you mentioned May 19th, Sayurida's birthday. You know who whose birthday is also on May 19th? Kane? Who? Kane? No. <laughs> okay. Um... I believe it's one of our next door neighbor's birthdays. What a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> would it be you, by It would chance, be Matt? me. And you know who else's birthday is on May 19th? Andre the Giant. So, folks, if you're ever at a bar and playing trivia, they say, what famous people's birthday is on May 19th? If you want to throw my name <laughs> in there, that's okay. But you say, Saeeda and Andre the Giant. Boy, that what a what, what a great match that would be on a video game, right? Saeeda versus Andre the Giant. That's a match that I would love to see. But um, you did mention it, uh, and I was just going to make a brief mention of it. Yeah, uh, Momo and Tora, you're literally a week away from the pay-per-view, and you can't, you can't have Tekla eat an L here. You know what I mean? You have to DQ them out. I was kind of like scratching my head. I was like, really? Um, however, the match after that was Shuri and Ami Soy versus Lady C and Utami. You did get a little bit of Shuri and Utami, and uh, Ami Sori and Utami to start the match off it was fantastic. You had them throwing forearms, shoulder tackles. It was really crisp, really, really good stuff. And Ami Sori is another one that we don't talk about enough about. Obviously, she's fantastic in the ring, but she's improved so much, not only in the ring, but her look as well. She came out with that, uh, as you, I believe you call Pokey Evolved Up uh, look um, <laughs> at uh, All-Star uh, Grand Queendom. And then she's getting so much better in the ring. She does a great job, you know, hanging with Utami, who's, you know, as we mentioned before, is one of the uh, the pillars of current stardom wrestling. And she actually gets over on Utami in the beginning. And then she tags out to Shiri. Shiri gets in the ring. And as Shiri's getting in the ring, Utami gets up from the little bit of beating that Amisori gave her. Shiri just looks at Utami and the place goes nuts. So it goes to show that anytime they want to run that match back, very much like Okada and Tanahashi, it's there. It's like a ready-made formula. Like, we don't need anything. It's Shuri and Utami. Let's go. I thought Lady C was fantastic in the match, but I thought they did a really good job building Ami Sori up in the match, and I was thoroughly impressed with her um, in this match, and I'm really excited to see what she does in the five-star as well. So, all in all, I thought that was really good. I actually gave three and three-fourth stars. But... Um, Meltier versus Julian May Sakurai. Boy, that was my favorite match of this show. What a great match. Again, you have the Meltier uh, double team work to start on uh, May Sakurai. And then Julia basically just gets in there and like almost commits murder on poor uh, Tam and Natsupoy. Again, considering the fact that the show a few days prior, the two of them didn't even want to be in the same ring with each other because they were just so tired of fighting each other. And here are these two just throwing forearms and punches in each other's face. I really like how Meltier, when they do the hand-holding dive, how sometimes it gets broken up, and then they build towards it, and then they do it. 
But this was really cool. So they go do the hand-holding dive, and then uh, May Sakurai basically just gets up on the apron and gives them both double stunners. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, again, eventually they do build to it. They hit the hand-holding dive, and then uh, Tam pins May Sakurai with the Tiger Suplex, which actually plays in to the match with Mina, which I will get, in, we'll get into in a little bit. But I did like how after May Sakurai eats the L, she grabs the microphone and basically tells Mel Tear to get out of her ring. <laughs> and then she calls him commentator. <laughs> I was like, even in a loss, like she gets, gets her ass kicked, like gets dropped on her head, or gets kneed in the face. Mel Tear double teams, dropped on her head, Tiger Suplex. You have the champion of your of your uh, of your promotion, and at the time of this show, one third of the artist champion, and you know everybody loves not support. She just grabs the microphone. She's like, yeah, right, get out of my ring. <laughs> commentator <laughs> that was great i'm enjoying this yeah i know you're you're really really big on the giving i'm getting more and more on board as each week passes <laughs> how annoying like her i think like her and nasuka torah are like the only true heels in stardom and what i mean by that it's just like you will pay money to see those two get their ass kicked but like may sakurai is more like the comedy like uh maybe like chicken shit here well like tor is more the ass kicking heel but other than that i don't think there's anybody inside of me like yeah i really i I don't like them blew them out of the building but it's like those are two like the only two like heels and may sacrifice is doing such a great job with these promos after the matches again i like it when she loses and then she's like yeah by the way i'm gonna cut this promo like who does that (laughs) may sacrifice i guess the sense of entitlement is fantastic (laughs) and it's just because it's so different to everything else on the roster it's sort of this just complete lack of self-awareness as to the fact that she's lost but she still thinks that people are there to see her <laughs> and i think because she's leaning into it and she does it so damn well um plus she's massively improving in ring all of this is coming together to become effectively one of the most enjoyable <laughs> enjoyable parts of stardom at the moment which i did i did not see myself saying at any point um uh, especially when she first debuted and i thought she was uh, more wooden than a chair um but here we are here we are the wonder of uh reps in the ring who thought? yeah and there it goes to show you like i say all the time folks it doesn't matter what you're working at if it's something you have passion for you put your mind and heart to it and keep working your ass off you too can cut promos after your match or even if you go in for a promotion <laughs> and you don't get it you should act like that you got it, and then you should cut a promo on the entire company. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they should do. Absolutely. <laughs> Next time, if you're an indie wrestler and you've lost your match, it was a five-minute job out on the opening of the card. Doesn't matter. You take that mic and you cut a ladyship promo. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we probably better get around to talking about the main event of today, which is, of course, the Flashing Champions pay-per-view, which took place on the 27th of May from Ottawa City Gymnasium. The announced attendance was 1,759 people, which I think Stardom will see as a little bit disappointing, if I'm being honest. Um, and I'll sort of give you some statistics around why I think that. So, Flashing Champions, as I've said, 2023, 1,759. The same show last year drew 1,871 people. So, it is 112 people less than a 5% decrease um, of the same show almost 365 days ago. Um, it's the seventh time Stardom have run out toward City Gym. Um, the average that they tend to get 
is 1,611. So it's 8% above the average attendance that they get at Ota Ward City Gym. And it is the third highest attendance that they've pulled in at Ota Ward. However, Matt, with a far more relaxed stance at the moment on um, COVID and with cheering and more people being let into the building. And, you know, as I've already said, a, a widespread relaxation of COVID measures, maybe not to the way things were pre-COVID, but certainly far more than they were. I don't think there's a way you can spin it that says Stardom would be overly happy with this number. I see your point. Still 1,700 people is a really, really good number. Um, Flashing Champions last year was absolutely stacked. I actually just um, I kind of just breezed through it a little bit last week um, uh, when I was off for uh, we had Memorial Day, so we had a little bit of time off work. Those last four matches, Rob, I'm just going to jog everybody's memory. On that show last year was May Sakurai and Julia challenging Hazuki and Kagama for the Goddess Belts. And then you have arguably the greatest Artist of Stardom Championship match of all time, my Himmy Poi, um, uh, losing the Artist of Stardom Championships against uh, Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, and Saki Kashima. Co-main event, Mirai, my, my opinion, Mirai's greatest match ever, Mirai challenging Sayakamatani for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. And then the main event was uh, No Rules match with Sherry taking on Risa Sarah in that crazy, crazy awesome match they had. So, um, you kind of compare that against that. It's like, yeah, you can you can kind of see that. And I know me and you were discussing on whether they would beat that beat that number. And I thought they would do about nineteen hundred. You were far more positive than I. You thought they would do over two thousand, just based on how happy Stardom and Bushi Road have been with both Tam Nakano and Mina Shirakawa. Their ability to draw in tickets during this Golden Week tour, which they pretty much sold out sold out every show. And from what I understand, Tam and Mina are doing gangbuster numbers at the merch table. So, again, that's why, you know, when we talked about a few weeks ago, you think they're rushing this match. I understand why they're doing it. Strike while the iron's hot. You figure they get closer to 2,000 people. They didn't. That can kind of be a disappointment. But at the same time, 1,700 people for your pay-per-view really is not a bad number. Um, this is something maybe that they run a main event which we'll get into, that they maybe run back with a little bit more build. Will they do a bigger number? Yeah, I think so. I think probably. Um, yeah, not sure why that number wasn't close to the two grand, but regardless, 1,700. Pretty decent number. Yeah, I do wonder if the lower number had anything to do with the stipulation in that main event, because not only have you got two championships then tied up, in this one match you also only had one singles match on the entire card um and even though we were thrown perhaps the biggest swerve in stardom history um i think everyone going in assumed that that main event was going to be a time limit draw or some sort of you know some sort of booking out of a corner finish let's say so I do wonder if that had an effect sure. on ticket sales. Um, because as you've said, you cannot compare the cards. And we actually said on this podcast when the card was an the full card was announced, the flashing champions, that this compared to last year, last year was such a stacked card that it doesn't compare to this year. And as I've said, you know, having both championships in that main event meant that we only had one singles match on that card. And 
despite the fact that those final three matches were very, very, very good, it just didn't feel like Stardom had put a lot of importance on flashing champions. And I think perhaps most importantly, at least for me, is it was far, far, far too early in both Tam and Mina's reign to do this match. Far too early. That was Tam's first defense of the red belt and Mina's second defense of the white belt. You could easily have held off on that for another two, three months, do it just before the five star. And I think there would have been less backlash towards the booking. And we'll talk about the booking and what we both personally think of it and why it's happened and things like that. Um, But overall, I know that a lot of people were not upset by the main event booking, but were pretty negative about it. And between that and the booking of the high-speed title three-way match, I think uh, people left with a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth surrounding this pay-per-view, which is a shame because if you delve through that, the booking abnormalities, there's actually some really, really good matches. And it's unfortunate that quite a few people will remember this main event match for the result and not for what a great match led up to that finish. Because overall, and you've already said it, Matt, this match itself was fantastic. These two women had such an emotional connection with each other and an emotional connection with the crowd that even in defeat, Mina Shirakawa came out of this looking incredible. Yes, she lost the white belt. Yes, she is the shortest reigning white belt champion in history. However, you can now build her up. And I do wonder if that's where stardom are going to go. You know, Mina Shirakawa is a huge deal in stardom now huge deal and I think she's proved over the last two shows the match against Natsupoy the match here against Tam she's proved she is more than capable of hanging in the main event yep but I do wonder if stardom feel that she needs to face some manner of adversity before overcoming it now personally I don't think she does need to overcome that because she overcame the injury came back took the white belt from Saya Kamatani you know she kicked she delivered that absolutely kick-ass promo after the Hiroshima show in November last year. That, to me, was the moment she overcame adversity. She'd had two white belt matches before that, and both white belt matches had resulted in her being injured. Surely that's the adversity. The crowd were really into Mina, huge into Mina, on this show. And, you know, despite it being completely unpredictable booking and, you know, being quite refreshing in terms of that, I still think it's the wrong time to do it. But we'll get into that. I'm getting well, well, well ahead of myself. We opened with uh, a match I still haven't seen because I forgot. Um, It was on the pre-show and it was aired for free on YouTube, um, which, again, it seems to be hit and miss as to whether Stardom actually have pre-show matches, but it wasn't announced. But, you know, I'm not going to complain. Momo Kogo defeating Lady C and Saya Ida in a three-way match in 4 minutes and 44 seconds, utilising that brilliant Momon path for the win. Matt, did you manage to see this? No, even though we, we were talking about it yesterday when we recorded it, I'm like, yeah, there's a match on YouTube, I'll go and watch it. And uh, I, I finished the show on the 19th, I ate dinner, and like I said, I watched Spider-Man with my bride, and then I went to bed, and I'm like, oh, I forgot to watch that match on YouTube. So, no, the very, very uh, few times, or maybe even the only time that I did not do my homework, coming into this podcast, and I apologize, everyone. 
Honestly, Matt, I don't know how you sleep at night. <laughs> I really don't. Because I watch a lot of <laughs> I watch a lot of stardom, that's why. <laughs> Between stardom and the gym and your eighty-three jobs. Um <laughs> it's nice to see Momo Gogo get the win, but it does make me laugh that after that brief sort of flurry, that one victory in the main event of her birthday show, she's on the pre-show eating the pinball yeah, here, Sayarita. Back to normality. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, back to, yeah. back, we're back to the normal realm. Absolutely. Um, we opened the show properly on pay-per-view with a tag team match that seemed on paper very thrown together, but was actually... Quite an entertaining match. We had Rebel and Enemy team of Micro Zaki and Ram Kachau defeating the, again, thrown together team of Rookie Ayasakura and Suri, with Micro Zaki getting the pin with the Argentine backbreaker in 9 minutes and 41 seconds. So I'm going to come out and say it. I think that Ayasakura has improved massively. I think she should be the next one that joins God's Eye because she has that striking style that's very similar to Suri. She doesn't utilize the submissions, but she is only a rookie. And I thought here she managed to hold her own very, very well. I thought she did very well. However, for me, the main bit was Microzaki against Suri. And I seem to say this now on a regular basis, whenever Rebel and Enemy have been in the ring, I'm glad that Ozaki got the spotlight, because I think she's really good. But when she's in a ring with Ram and Miu, she tends to get overlooked. And I think with just her and Ram Kachow and the amount of time that Ozaki spent in the ring here, she's able to get that spotlight. And ultimately, the exchanges between her and Suri were very, very entertaining. Yeah, Rob, you hit a lot on the head, especially the fact that Ayasaki and her improving. I'm actually questioning good. So what do you think is in her offensive arsenal, what is Ayasakurai's probably main weapon like the thing that impresses you the most i wouldn't say it impresses me the most i'd say her offense is heavily heavily kicked Ah, but you know that she's got yes a martial arts background what i'm trying to get at okay and who now when she's in the ring you have shuri on the corner who's also very very good at kicking former uh k1 you know uh kickboxing champion and also uh fought in the ufc pancrase so when this match is over, probably afterwards, she's probably saying, you know, teaching her up on how to throw kicks. And it's one thing to watch a match when you're in the back. It's another thing when you're literally in the match with that person, you're standing in the corner. So I'm, I'm just knowing how giving the entire starting roster is, as we, we see it on a weekly basis, because everybody just improves consistently. I'm willing to bet a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of beers uh, this WrestleMania weekend for you there, good sir. That after that match was over, <laughs> Sherry said, "Your kicks are good. Your main, you're, you're, they're your main thing. However, here's how I would improve them. So you're going to see Aya Sakurai getting even better. But I didn't even kind of put two and two together of her joining God's Eye. That would be something that maybe come after the five star or going into maybe the tag league tournament that I would absolutely like to see. Obviously, you know, she'd have to be a little bit more aggressive. Maybe throw one or two submissions. She does seem very like." 
Bob Backlund in the late 70s, early 80s when she comes out, like two white meat baby face to the point where people like see through her, um, you know, on her entrance. But other than that, I like what she does in the ring. She's really good at selling. Her timing is really good. Her ring positioning is good. Yeah, and her kicks are really, really good. So she's come, you know, the fact that she's only been wrestling a few months, I'm really, really impressed with her. But yeah, obviously the main crux of this match was uh, Ozaki and Sherry. And just because of Ozaki, we don't see her too much in stardom. But I would like to see maybe somewhere in a Cork and Hall show, maybe like fifth or sixth match on the card, a nice one-on-one match with her and Sherry. Yeah, absolutely. And just getting back to what you said about God's Eye, what you've got to think is at the moment that there's only three full-time members of God's Eye because out of the five or six members, if you count Konami, who seems to be some sort of satellite member, you've got uh, Tomoka Inaba, who wrestles on a part-time basis. She's part of JTO. Um, You've got Nanami, again, part-time and very young as well, mainly wrestles on the New Blood shows. So... That forces God's Eye to make one of those three, those main three, take the pinfall. And, you know, if you want to build Amisori, if you want to build Mirai, you don't really want them eating pinfalls all the time. And, you you know, Suri very rarely takes pinfalls, so it's certainly not going to be Suri. So adding in Aya Sakura, not only does it fit in a stylistic basis, you know, her entire background, as I've said, is martial arts and karate, which is very similar to Inaba. You can have someone to, in inverted commas, eat the pins, but you can also develop her in a stylistic sense by having her with Suri, the light, you know, as they are so similar in style. That way you can have her sort of impart knowledge on how to put in these 12,000 submissions that she seems to have. I think it's just a very good fit. Mariah Sakura. She might not immediately stand out as a person to go into God's Eye, but I think as a stylistic choice and as a logistics choice, it makes perfect sense. Just like I think Hanako could go to DDM um, simply because of the Himika connection and the bequeathing of the JP coaster from Himika. Um, overall, though, I gave this three stars. It was a really solid opener. Man. Yeah, three and a quarter stars. And you're using a lot of big words, Rob. I'm not, I have a very, very, uh, small education so i don't know what some of those words meant no i'm just kidding but you made a really you made a lot of really good points there sir and uh yeah looking forward to see what happens again solid opener good way to start the show three and a quarter for me uh, we then move on to um a six woman tag team match with huge ramifications uh with the queen's quest team of hina sayaka matani and utami hayashishita defeating the oedatai team the younger oedatai team of Rina Ruwaka and Starlight Kid with Sayaka Matani getting the pinfall over Ruwaka in 6 minutes and 47 seconds with the Frankensteiner. And actually, Matt, it's not the match itself that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about because during this match, we actually had Sayaka Matani and Utami come to blows um, after Sayaka Matani had hit her own teammate for the second time in the match, having already wiped out Hina once. Um, she then managed to drop kick Utami once Ruaka moved, and it resulted in both women coming to blows and Ruaka having to play peacekeeper by clotheslining them both to the floor. Um, I did think it would be Oeditai who would sort of poke the bear and poke the bear, and it wasn't. It was just that build up of 
just frustration with each other in Aphrodite. And obviously we'd see this come to a head later on in the pay-per-view where they laid out that challenge. I'm intrigued, Matt, to know where this is going because obviously there's no getting around this. There's no sort of forgetting about this angle. There has to be a payoff. And I am so intrigued as to what this payoff is going to be because you can't have these two coming to blows in the ring and then being fine again come Tag League. There has to be some sort of payoff. Now, whether that is, you know, they have a match at the five-star, whether it's in the final, like many people think, or whether it's a block final, like I personally think, there has, um, or whether it's one of them leaving the faction, or whether it's Queen's Quest is dissolving oh, entirely. Don't say that. Oh my god, I'm dizzy. <laughs> oh my god, I'm dizzy. Oh jeez, please don't say that. Lich, literally <laughs> felt the dagger go into Matt Hardy. Oh my goodness, um, Hatman, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> Hatman. Um, I feel like there has to be something big that comes of this, and that's quite exciting because I don't know what they are going to do. Utami seems to be the main protagonist in this. She, It seems to be around Utami that it's all centred. So it's her that's taking offence from Sire. It's her that constantly shuns Sire at the end of matches. Um, and it's her that through the first punch, or through the first push, should I say, in this exchange. And it feels like Sire's on the receiving end of a lot of abuse. And I do wonder if a lot of that is self-doubt from Utami. She spent a lot of time out of the title picture, a lot of time without a story, a lot of time eating losses, and maybe that's all just building up. I'm intrigued to know where this goes, Matt. It's such an exciting storyline with a lot of different outcomes that I really don't know where it's going, and that makes this incredibly exciting. Yeah, this match, I mean, they come to blows like three minutes in this match. So they literally could have, like, Starlight Kid and, and Saki, as I commented, literally, literally could have copied and pasted their Wonder of Stardom Championship match in this match, and it probably wouldn't have mattered. Like, they went to the finish pretty early on uh, after it because that's the main crux of the story. That's all, literally, I was... I was kind of almost with my blinders on. I'm like, oh my god, this is we're 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 really going here. Like you kind of see it coming. Like kind of see the train coming. I just can't get out of the way, and you wonder what's going to happen. However, they did get on the same page at the very last second where Utami was able to hold, I believe, Starlight Kid back while uh, Sai Kamatani hit the Hurricanrana, and they kind of just stared at each other. Like, all right, we were able to get on the same page for like five seconds to get the win, but then Utami storms off. So. I kind of have a few theories on where it will go, and we'll talk about it um, at the end of when we do the uh, tag title match, because that's obviously where the uh, the five-on-five five challenge happens. So um, I'm intrigued, but also a little bit scared. Rob, I'm not going to lie. We know last time that happened, there was this giant faction warfare match between Queen's Quest and Oedo Tai, and again, it was something that we kind of saw coming and knew it was going to come, and here we are a year and a half later, and I'm still not over it. So... Uh, Oh boy, <laughs> that's all I can say. But yeah, we'll get into more in a little bit because I have uh, a few different theories there, good sir. It is worth noting that the uh, the five on five or the six on six, should I say, that it's going to be. I don't think it's been announced that it's loser leaves unit or losing unit dissolves. I don't think there's any sort of stipulation there. I think it is at the moment just an elimination cage match. I believe it's an elimination cage match, but... Yeah, like I say, I don't think there's any written 
stipulations in regard to uh, in regard to the future of the faction. So we'll have to wait and see. I did feel sorry for Hina, who uh, was sort of caught in the middle middle of her parents fighting. <laughs> Bless her. Um, we then had an eight woman tag match with the stars team of Hazuki Hannon, Kogama, and Mayu Watani defeating the Club Venus team of Mariah May, Jesse, Wakasukiyama, and Xena in 12 minutes and 45 seconds, with Hannon getting the roll-up victory over Jesse with 17, as Jesse was setting for the joyride. Um, Matt, again, this was a thoroughly enjoyable match, and much as I'm, well, I like Club Venus, it was mainly enjoyable because of how good stars are as a team, because of their chemistry, because of their sort of seamless transitions into moves and things like that. The only negative that can come out of this match, really for me, is that this is where Hannah must have been injured. But I watched the match twice and I can't see where she got hurt. The only thing I can think is she took two hefty bumps from slams. And I don't know if she banged her neck and jarred, sort of banged her head and jarred her neck, or if she's some sort of concussion protocol. I've only seen that she's injured, so it might have been announced what's uh, what the issue is now. But um, it's a shame, um, especially as it's come through this match, where it seems like the main story coming out of this was we are almost certainly getting Mariah May versus Maya Wiwitani for the IWGP Women's Championship. Yeah, uh, especially Mariah May, a challenge almost channeling her in a Tekla. She threw some in the 70s as well. When she said, I want that IWGP, and then she said the word itch, but not the actual word itch, to Mayu. I'm like, okay, that's clearly, <laughs> the, she would, they wouldn't have put that spot in there if they weren't going anywhere with that. But we've been making mention the past two or three weeks, that's where probably they're going to go. They're doing a great job pushing, pushing Mariah May. Uh, she's doing a great job getting herself over. And the fact that she's going to be wrestling Mayu in a singles match is only going to speak volumes for her career. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that match whenever it comes down to the road. Um, yeah, it is unfortunate that Hana got injured. I only watched the match once, and uh, you were saying she didn't take anything big, and you never know. It could have been a body slam. Maybe she went into the match with maybe a sore neck or a bad shoulder or maybe something you know, a day or two later in training. Uh, you don't know whether it's she did something when she was in the gym or she was running ropes in the ring and something happened. You know, We don't know. Injuries can happen anywhere. Um, but as far as the match goes, my one negative, and I did make the prediction that that this was going to happen when I did this last uh, last week, is I was really looking forward to an exchange between Zena and Hazuki. And Zena threw some wild chops on Hazuki. And Hazuki uh, tweeted out just hours after the show, she showed her, her shoulder and the one part of her chest, and she was black and blue from the chops. My only negative, and it's a very rare occasion, when Hazuki takes this punishment, there was no opportunity for a receipt. She gave it to Mercedes Monet at the match in Dominion immediately. Where Mercedes, I was actually, I was kind of just going through some clips the other day where uh, Mercedes hits her like a left and right slap so hard. And I'm like, oh, there's a receipt coming. And it came immediately. So Zena's throwing these chops and like, oh, here comes the receipt. And it just never got there. I was like, oh, man. So I would like to see this match being run back one way or another, whether it's a singles or a tag. Just to see, and I, I'm re- I think Zena's another one that's improving by leaps and bounds, but I just can't wait for the receipt because you know it's coming, brother, and you know it's gonna be fast and furious because it's Hazuki. She only has one speed, but uh, yeah, they did a really good job building up to the Mayu Mariah May match, which as we know is coming. So uh, all in all, though, I thought a really good match. It was nice to see Hana get the win here, especially with that 17 roll up. I think it's just so cool how she places it and uh, how she locks it in. Um, Against solid match, I had it actually at three and a half stars. 
Um, I had it at my Rotani three and a half stars as well. There you go, Matt. Um, my only negative to come out of this is the future of the IWGP Women's Championship. And the reason I say that is when it was first announced, it was announced that it was going to be defended at some stardom shows and big New Japan shows. Yet we are five days away from Dominion. The full card has been announced. Dominion, arguably the second biggest show on New Japan's calendar behind Wrestle Kingdom. No IWGP Women's Championship match. Now, we've obviously now had the creation of the New Japan Strong Women's Championship, which, you know, was arguably supposed to be put on Mercedes Monet, but Willow Nightingale has it, and good, she's great. Does it worry you, does it concern you that the IWGP Women's Championship is just going to become a new mid-card championship on stardom shows? Because to me... There doesn't seem to be any real importance placed on it by New Japan whatsoever. Yeah, you kind of, not to beat a dead horse, but I mean, you kind of see that at Wrestle Kingdom where you have two of your biggest stars, Tam and Mayu, Tam and, uh, excuse me, Kyrie, going less than six minutes. Um, and the fact that, yeah, you really haven't done anything with it on a New Japan show. I mean, other, I mean, a secure Genesis, they absolutely stole the show. And there's no way anybody can say that they didn't over the, deliver those three matches and that match and those three ladies didn't get over. So I don't know why you're not putting it on the Dominion show. Again, it is your second biggest show of the year. So why aren't you fitting on that? Especially when they're building that show up as a, there's like, you know, five or six title matches. Like you go on any of the social media sites or whatever, and that's like the tagline. There's so many championship matches on the line. And you're like, well, where's your IWGP championship match? Like, no offense to any of the other title holders. I use probably just as talented, if not talented, and better than the ring than all of them. Not saying they're not good. Saber's great. Sonata's great. But you know how we all feel about Mayu on this show. She's once in a million uh, talent. Um, so how are you not factoring her into that that card as well? So I see your point, but I remain positive. I remain hopeful that uh, maybe it was just, you know, they just didn't have the right timing, right place for it just yet. Um, but maybe Stardom can kind of put it on one of their pay-per-views as maybe as a co-main event and give Mayu and Mariah May like 16, 17 minutes to really flush out their story in the ring, which ultimately, Rob, really just benefits us Stardom fans. So, uh, yeah, there you go. There's your positive spin on that little segment there. Good, sir. Absolutely. Um, my what? Do you think it boils down to, you know, it's Osaka Joe Hall. It's a big venue. Without sugarcoating it, is Mariah May enough of a big name to be on this Dominion show? Not yet. I mean, you've had... Not yet. That's that's the thing. I mean, if that's the thing, who do you potentially put... My If, if she's not a big enough name, which is no disrespect to Mariah May at all, um... You didn't have to make her the first challenger with Dominion coming up. Especially when you teased Nene Takahashi. That was the tease. So that's where you thought you were going. Because obviously she's a legend that can still go. And they would have a great match. So that's where I think we all, me and you both thought they were going with that. Mm. And I just, there's other people on the roster that you can put in that position. Mayu Iwatani and Utami. Mayu Iwatani and Suri. Utami is embroiled in this Queen's Quest thing, yes. But she can take time out to have an IWGP Women's Championship match. She was in the tournament. 
uh, was she? Yes. No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. It's Momo Watanabe that was in the tournament. But she sort of had this match with Kairi and nothing came of that when she had a time limit draw. So Utami would have been a great shout to put on that show. And I do think a Mayu Utami versus Utami match could have done well on a Dominion card. Siori, Siori's doing nothing at the moment. Put Siori in there with Mayu. What about this one too, Rob? What about, again, uh, New Japan show? Who stole the show? Azumi. Mayu versus Zoom. Like, oh yeah, we saw her with Mercedes and uh, Hazuki. This match will be great. We, She stole the show. She was one of the MVPs of the entire show. Yeah, do Mayu versus Zumi on Dominion. Yeah, there's a zillion different things that you can do. So yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right on all cards there, sir. Yeah, and hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. I'm just concerned that we are less than a year into the lineage of the IWGP Women's Championship and we're already one big showdown without it on the card. So we'll see how that pans out. We'll see where uh, Mariah May and Mayu ends up going. I do wonder if it's going to end up on the Midsummer Champions card simply because there's only been, I think, two championship matches announced for that card and there's no World of Stardom championship match. So I wonder if it'll go on there. Um, We move on then to our six-woman tag match with the team of Micah, May, Sarah and Suzu Suzuki defeating the team of Hanako and Nene Takashi and Yuna Mizumori with May Sarah getting the pinfall in 12 minutes and 3 seconds pinning Hanako with a drop kick and Matt I messaged you as I was watching this I think Nene Takahashi is getting louder yeah and I even messaged back um I was like oh I've been meaning to tell you this as majority of these Stardom shows I watch live as they happen as soon as I get up my cats are they think I'm there to feed them and play or this that and the other my one cat Heidi the sweetheart she loves watching wrestling with me literally to the point when I'm watching these like road two shows or whatever just for, for the podcast I just open up my laptop I sit on a, I sit on the floor this way I'm kind of out of everybody's way and I can stretch out a little bit and I have my notebook and I'm watching and literally she will come up she'll either sit on my notebook or she'll sit on the keys from my laptop yep. and she absolutely loves watching not only just wrestling but just stardom so I'm one or two matches in and she comes up and I put her on the couch I set I sent you the picture I put her on the couch and I read wrap her up and she's watching and her eyes are kind of heavy and nice this isn't the first time that happened this is like three or four times and i completely forget to bring this up to you until you mentioned it she's literally <laughs> half asleep because she's comfortable she's in a warm blanket like she's on the couch watching wrestling and she's like half asleep and all of a sudden the night starts yelling and this and that and then like i said i show you the picture that poor cat looks so afraid she's so afraid i have never seen a cat look more startled in my entire life than Matt's cat having listened to Nanai Takahashi in this bloody match. She, it's like, it's it's so unnecessary. And it's not even when she's just hitting moves. It's, it's like, she moves. Ah! She, she, she breathes. Ah! You know, it's just, it's so loud. And like I say, I think it's getting worse. Um, you know, that side, this is a fine match. There's not really a great deal to talk about. We did have a little scuffle between Suzu Suzuki and Nanai Takahashi post-match, which I certainly wouldn't be opposed to a singles match between those two. I don't think anyone would. But ultimately, I would argue that aside from the opener, this had the least to come out of it. Yeah, I do want to say real quick that if, if I ever get the chance to meet Nanai Takahashi, I want to blow up that picture and have her autograph it. 
even though she's not on it. Like, <laughs> you, you woke up my cat at four thirty in the morning. How great she is! Sign it, please. Um, yeah, this was it was an okay match. It, I mean, everybody worked hard, but the uh, the main crux of this match for me, partner, you just talked about it, is uh, I hope they're building to a Suzu Suzuki versus the Nai Takahashi match because the brief interactions they had, boy, they were good and they were violent. And then yeah, they had a little scuffle afterwards, um, which seems to be kind of the nice thing on these pay per views. We saw it at the last one with her and Hazuki were kind of like slapping each other around after the bell. I'm like, is that building towards something? Or just like that's like her new gimmick is uh, I'm going to get in these pay-per-views. I'm going to get my time in. I'm going to wake up Matt's cat. And then I'm going to slap a, a really violent wrestler in the face after the bell. Um, you know, maybe that's her gimmick. But uh, I thought all in all, though, I thought Anaka looked really good. Her stuff with Micah was really good. I'm really enjoying like May Sarah has really good at the high speed division and her finisher which they're built, they've been building to on these Golden Week shows. It's just like a running dropkick to the face. The first time I'm seeing it, I was like, oh, really? That's what she's going with? Other than the flash bins? But the way she kind of almost like circles the ring and then just properly just boots you in the face. If you take a look at that in, the sh- in a shoot, like if Rob's just sitting there and I just run up to him, maybe this will happen in Philadelphia. You're just sitting there and I just run up to you and just kick you in the face with my two feet. You're probably going to go out for more than three seconds. So uh, I, especially the fact that with the high speed kind of like, momentum that she has going into it to it really like how she's doing that but uh all in all yeah it was a fun match kind of forgettable um but uh, everybody worked hard uh three and a half stars yeah i think i gave it three and a quarter simply yes i did three and a quarter simply because ultimately it was inoffensive it was solid as this entire undercard was um but you know we didn't have any story going into it. We didn't have any immediate aftermath aside from that little scuffle, which I'm hoping leads somewhere, but it also might not. We then had the first of four consecutive title matches, um, and this is where people started to be a bit down on the pay-per-view, and I can sort of understand why. So we had the high-speed championship match with Saki Kashima, defeating the champion Azumi and Fukukin Death in a high-speed title three-way in five minutes and 28 seconds with the Kish Kasai. Now, a couple of things to come out of this. Azumi's reign ends at 458 days. It's fourth all-time, uh, just 50 days behind third, which was Mary Apache with 498 days. Um, she defended the belt 12 times, failing in her 13th. Um, it's a great title reign, um, but we'll talk about why people were upset. I just want to take a moment because one of the huge, huge positives to come out of this is after 12 years on and off with the company, this is Saki Kashima's first singles title. And good God, she is a heel. She's the chicken shittiest of heels, <laughs> pardon my language. Good God, she could have been the biggest babyface in the entire world after this because she broke character, she broke down, she was hugging Rossi Ogawa, she was pulling him back for photos so they could have a photo, and you could just see how much it genuinely meant to her. And it was such a nice moment. And I I, I had to go back and check. But yeah, Saki Kashima, 12 years on and off in the company. She's now the 23rd high-speed champion and it is thoroughly thoroughly deserved i just wish she'd beaten azumi one-on-one i feel like with a reign like this 458 days 
12 successful title defenses and she doesn't even get pinned in this five minute match. I feel like that is a massive cop out. I like the result. I hate the way they got there, Matt. I completely understand, but me and you, the one of the very few things we got right when we predicted was Saki pinning uh, freaking death in this. I, I get it. I And I did make mention that this legendary reign needs to get beat with her putting somebody over clean. Obviously, this wasn't a zoo. I don't think a zoom was like, doesn't work for me, brother. I'm not taking the pinfall on this one. I'm almost positive that did not happen. Um, I really think it's just they, again, let's look at a positive spin on this. I think it's, they think so highly of Azumi, and rightfully so, that they don't want her losing. I mean, it's great as she's done with the high-speed belt and Natsupoi and Starlight Kid as well. It's basically a mid-card belt, especially the fact of how highly regarded the Wonder and World are. And obviously that's where Azumi's probably going to be going to next, which I'm so excited to see that, uh, you know, her climb up into, uh, you know, the main event level. Uh, that's the only thing is they thought, you know what, we don't want Azumi, who we're going to probably start putting in main events, and we'll probably have a really good run in the five-star. Having her eat a loss here to, uh, you know, to, you know, again, no offense, a mid-card wrestlers like Saki Cash and Fukin Death. Would have been a death nail for her? Absolutely not. You know, absolutely not. If anything, would have elevated Saki Cash and more. I understand why they did it. I'm not hating on it as much as everybody else. I get, I, I completely get it. They're trying to protect Azumi. Big fan of Azumi. Obviously, you know, she's in Queen's Quest. Um, not only that, but now we get, you, know, you have a ready-made uh, first championship match, and I believe that's what they're going to, is Saki Kashima's first uh, title challenge is going to be a fucking death. And I completely see Saki Kashima's reign, all of her matches being like sub like six, seven minutes. I don't think she's going to be having these like, classic like 14 15 minute bangers that azumi's having but uh, i mean let's talk about this match though part it was fantastic especially the fact that we kind of knew where they were going with the result but when they did those forty-two thousand flash pinfalls towards the end i bid on maybe 28 of the forty thousand. like oh my god they're gonna give it to death oh no wait saki oh they're gonna have azumi retain oh no wait they're going back to death I did again that poor referee had to be blown up after the end of this match because he was up and down two, up and down two, up and down two. I thought the match all in all was great. Um, Azumi when she does when she went for that corner dive, she slipped. It's the first time I've ever seen her do it because she's so precise in everything she does. She slipped and almost gut busted herself on the top rope on the cable. And the way she fell is like, oh my god, I hope she didn't break a rib. And then she went to the outside, and then she came back in, and then she ran 100 miles an hour, as always. So I was, little, I was a little concerned about that. But uh, all in all, though, I thought the match was great. Again, I bit on a lot of those false finishes, and I actually gave it three and three-fourth stars. I enjoyed it as much. Uh, I enjoyed it that much. But I do understand, you know, everyone's a huge fan of Saki Kashima. She obviously earned this title. And a lot, I can see a lot of people, you know, I understand where people are coming from with she should have beaten Azumi. Again, I just think that they uh, think so highly of Azumi, and they want to protect her as uh, she climbs up to the you know the main event level status. And I I do understand that obviously Azumi they're huge on Azumi she's very young, but my counter to that is Saki Kashima's beaten everyone with the Kishikasai. She's beaten Julia, she's beaten Suri, she's beaten Mayu Iwatani, she's beaten Utami, like, and it it doesn't affect any of them because people just. She is that spoiler. That is the character that she plays. She's able to get these sneaky wins with the Kishka side, very much in the same way as Toriyano randomly just pulls out these 
these wins from absolutely nowhere in the G1 against these big people and, you know, bursts people's blocks and all sorts. And, you know, people don't think about it any the wiser. And my only problem is that Azumi posted a photo on Twitter of her white gear, basically saying goodbye to the high-speed division. And if this is Azumi's bow out of the high-speed division, similar to how we saw with Starlight Kid earlier in the year, I just feel like it could have gone with more of a bang than the whimper it's gone out with. Because as you mentioned, Matt, you said you literally hit the nail on the head. You had the opportunity to elevate someone by having them beat Azumi. One one loss is not going to affect Azumi, especially as we are so far still removed from the five star. We're still two months away from the start of the five star. You could easily have Azumi rack up some wins. Um that being said, absolutely over the moon for Saki Kashima. She's thoroughly, thoroughly deserved it. And to wait twelve years, like say on and off, um to get your first singles title, you could see how much it meant to her, and that automatically added a little bit more to it to her for me. Just that genuine, genuine emotion. And like you said, Matt, the cohesive nature and the timing it took for all of these women to get those pinfalls right, you know, at the speed at which they did, I thought was tremendous. Um, shame about how we got to the end, but overall, three and a half stars. I enjoyed the match itself. Yeah, aside from. Azumi almost uh, puncturing a lung on the uh, on that. Re- I had to watch that spot twice because the first time I thought Saki had um, had shaken the ropes because she came round them from the side of the ring, and I watched it again and I realised she'd actually gone round to make sure Azumi was all right. Because um, yeah, she she slipped a couple of times. Azumi, I don't know if she just you know, I don't know. I don't know maybe there was a banana peel at ringside. Who knows? Um, we move on then to the Goddess of Stardom title match with the new eras, Amisori and Mirai, defending their Goddess of Stardom titles against the Aweratai team of Momo Watanabe and Natsukatora in 16 minutes and 51 seconds. Mirai getting the pinfall over Natsukatora with that roll-up after Tora misses the Swanton. Um, overall, Matt, thoroughly enjoyed this match. I figured this would have been up your alley because they did a really good job. And I'm glad that I, you know, they did upload the uh, six-person tag that we talked about earlier because they, they go into that, uh, I'm starting world, excuse me, um, with uh, the Tai team versus the uh, God's Eye team because they really do play into Mariah's banged up knee and they do a great job focusing on Mariah's knee and really showing Mariah selling and working from uh, underneath we don't see that a lot of what Mariah's matches because she's such a, you know, basically a killer in the ring, you know, with the lariats, the forearms, you know, the Emir Mariah double wrist lock submission. She's very much an offensive style wrestler. So it's nice to kind of see a different side of Mariah, the fact that she can build sympathy and build selling and build that hot tag into Amisori in this match, which is what we saw. Um, didn't get enough hard-hitting action between Mariah versus Mama Watanabe like I would like. But they uh, kind of exchange that with some deep levels of psychology and selling, which is fine uh, on my half. And I do like how uh, the finish kind of came out of nowhere. You know, we figured that the new eras would retain either with, uh, you know, maybe the Lariat or the double wrist lock submission or that brutal like a Thunderbolt that Amisori did. But it's basically Mariah again, who's basically, you know, getting her ass kicked for the majority of this match is uh, Natsuko Tora misses her, you know, her big move out the top rope, the, uh, the, the Swanton. And Mariah, instead of going for a tag or going for one of her big moves, figures, you know what, I think I could probably wrap this up in about three seconds. And she does with that seatbelt locks, uh, pin, files, 
pin file, excuse me, um, style uh, uh, pin there. And I thought that was a really good way to to, to end this because nobody really saw it coming. Uh, again, all in all, though, solid match. Really like the the selling. Really like the psychology, and really interested to see where it kind of goes from here because now we see that Mariah is somebody that can, again, build up a hot tag to tag it to Amisori, who Amisori, again, like I said, uh, with that match tag match with you, Tommy, really can kind of come in there and bowl her way and use her strength uh, to her advantage. And that'll be a really good way to pop a crowd for a hot tag. Um, again, all in all, really, really solid match. I gave it four stars. Yeah, I think it, it subverted expectations, didn't it? You expect Mirai to be hard-hitting. You don't necessarily expect her to be that one fighting from underneath. And especially in a team where you have, in comparison, a relative rookie in Amisori, um, or at least that's how Stardom have portrayed them, you expect it to be Amisori that receives the beatdown and Mirai doing the save. Um, but I think they did a wonderful job in uh, really assaulting Mirai in that leg and Momo especially was absolutely vicious in attacking that leg and made it at times really quite uncomfortable to watch which was great um, I loved the fact that this wasn't a dominant display from the new eras, it was very much survival mode um, which ultimately makes the ending make sense I know it sort of came out of nowhere the ending but I think in the story that they were telling in this match of Mirai simply trying to hang on I think it made perfect sense to do it on a flash pin. Perfect sense. Absolutely. If she'd have fired up, hit two lariats and won, that'd have been far more like, oh, well, that came out of nowhere. And ultimately, they were playing off that she can't stand up because of her knee. So what is she going to do? And I I, I thoroughly enjoyed the match, thoroughly enjoyed the finish. Um, the correct choice for Victor, and uh, I gave it three and three quarter stars. Um New Eras were not allowed to celebrate their victory because Utami marched the entirety of Queen's Quest down to the ring, save for Miyu Amasaki, um, and basically started a fight with Oedatai, um, saying, you know, basically teasing them for losing, um, which Tora rightly says, how can you shout at us when you're fighting with your own team? We get into a brawl and basically it comes to pass that we are going to be having a six on six, I believe, uh, cage match between Oedatai and Queen's Quest at Stardom Sunshine, which is a show in June. Um, uh, again, there are no stipulations written about this being um, a loser leaves unit or anything like that. However, Awedatai have a fantastic record when it comes to this. I mean, you've already mentioned, Matt, that they stole Momo, they stole Konami, they stole um, Starlight Kid, they stole Fukik and Death. In fact, the only real loss that I can think that they suffered in this case is when they lost Tam back in 2017. So, or 2018, sorry, not 2017. So, fantastic record. The way I saw it was Utami marching Queen's Quest down without Queen's Quest really wanting to be there. And it does make me wonder if this is a passionate impulse on the part of Utami to basically go, right, I need to prove myself. I need yes. to prove to myself. I need to prove to the crowd. I need to prove to everyone that I am still a superstar. And whether that is by 
you know, taking it fully to Oeditai and Momo Watanabe or what, I don't know. But it seemed to be that she was marching down to the ring and everyone else was sort of trailing in her wake as though they didn't want to be there. Yeah, it was uh, very much it's like, hey, I'm the leader of this group. I'm getting, you know, this faction back together. But I mentioned just about a few minutes ago that I would kind of elaborate on what I think, you know, th- basically three scenarios that I think might happen. Uh, again, they have not announced any stipulations. Uh, obviously, the show's about a month or so away. So they obviously something can get built up on some of these uh, some of these shows that they're going to be doing on the weekend to build towards it. So one of three things, Rob, that I think may happen is uh, – Number one, the obvious choice, which it seems like Masio Gawa is not doing the obvious choice anymore, which is a kind of, hey, kind of, kind of out of left field. I got no problem with that. Refreshing, yes, refreshing. It? Yes. Um, at least you want to have a refreshing alcohol drink after this. But anywho, uh, so the obvious choice is for the, uh, the, the breakup between Aphrodite with Sayakamatani and Utami. If that happens, I think it would be Sayakamatani turning heel just because it's something we've never seen her before and she's, so white meat baby face and such a great seller and just does a great job getting over as a baby face that nobody sees it coming. She did dye her hair red, which I guess like, you know, now that Mike had dyed her hair red, I guess now that if you do that, you're immediately aggressive and uh, somewhat evil. Maybe that's the new pattern. So I think that would be choice number one to go to. Number two is Queen's Quest win this match, but there's still some um, cracks in the armor between Utami and Saya. Utami beats Saya in the finals of the five star. Um, they they go into tag league. They have some wins. They have some losses with some miscommunication. And then after Utami uh, wins the uh, red belt back at Dream Queendom, her and Saya finally embrace, and we finally get that big, you know, golden lover style moment where all is well in the world. That's scenario two. Scenario number three is the scenario I hope happens more than anything in the world. And considering the fact that the booking has been a little bit, as you said, refreshing, a little bit different. Here's my out-of-left-field out wild scenario. Momo Watanabe has left Queen's Quest a year and a half ago. We had two matches with Azumi. We had the match where she broke Azumi's orbital bone and then Azumi beating her in the Cinderella in like the best three-minute match you've ever seen. We never got that singles match with Utami. We never even got like a big tag match against Utami on a big pay-per-view. And we only had that one match with Saya back at a Supreme fight. And the only reason why that match happened is because Saya called Momo out because she wanted to break Momo's record had nothing to do with the fact that Momo left Queens quest. So we've never seen Momo and Queens quest violence. What if Rob Goon, this might be, this is, uh, this is a free. What if fantasy booking one minute from Matt Turner, (laughs) what if this entire time Momo Watanabe has been nothing but a spy and then she comes back to Queen's Quest. <gasps> oh, I would be the happiest little boy in Pennsylvania if that happened, sir. I would be so I would be crying tears of joy like when I was six years old and got the Nintendo Entertainment System for Christmas when I was a young young lad, sir. Maybe again, they're doing some wild booking here. Maybe that is a scenario. I don't know. There's your folks, there's your free what if. <laughs> I I love your positivity. <laughs> um, He's going to put me down. You know, do a compliment. Do a compliment sandwich. So start with a compliment. Love your positivity. Mm-hmm. Just going to a little, little bit of a negative filling now. There's absolutely no way that's happening. Um, I would say it's 99% chance that it won't happen. And the only 1% is that it's wrestling. So anything can happen. 
And my other compliment, just to sandwich that negative, is your hair, fantastic. <laughs> there you go. Little compliment sandwich. There you go, buddy. Um, um, I can. I'm. I'm pretty sure I will watch this pay per view live, and you won't. So I'm going to try to find a Queen's Quest picture, and, and uh, be like, "Oh my god, this is what happened." Momo came back. I'm going to text you at like seven in the morning, and be like, "It happened. My prediction was right." Just to get, just to kind of floor you a little bit. Oh my god! Imagine. <laughs> um, this is the show that we're talking about. Is Stardom Sunshine 2023, and this is going to be from Yoyagi National Stadium, and it's going to be Sunday, the 25th of June. So as you're listening, it will be the end of the month. So we're uh, not long to find out what is actually going to happen, uh, which is quite exciting. We move on then to the semi-main event, which is the Artist of Stardom Championships match. The Barry Barry Bombers, the Donny Del Mondo team of Julia, May Sakurai and Tekla, defeating the champions, we start Kairi, Natsupoi and Sioria Nu with uh, Julia getting the win with the Gonosaki Clutch in 18 minutes and 23 seconds to become the 30th Artist of Stardom Champions. This is Julia's second reign with the belts. May Sakurai and Tekla's first. It's May Sakurai's first championship in stardom, and it all came about because a little bit of miscommunication between Natsupoi and Sayori Anu. Um, first thing, before we talk about the uh, the impact, so to speak, of that, uh, that miscommunication, fantastic match, Matt. Yeah, we all kind of wondered, because we all figured Julie would have a long uh, reign with the uh, World of Stardom Championship. So I kind of wonder what they were going to do with Julia. I think this is a nice little uh, place to put her. She, you're getting your two stablemates up and over, uh, you know, with uh, May Sakurai and Tekla. Not only that, but she has two ready-made feuds coming out of this. Obviously, the huge heat with her and Soriano, especially at the end of the match where Kyrie basically had to separate the two. But we knew we were going to get it. We knew we weren't going to get a lot of it, but just enough to saying, okay, who do I have to pay my next paycheck too, so I can see a proper singles match between Julia and Kyrie. Cause oh boy, Rob, oh boy. I mean, there were tweets and gifts all over Twitter and social media of just the sound that those two were making as they were standing in their ring. <laughs> and one of them should have been arrested for attempted murder with with, with no weapons. Because, oh, man, they were hit with the cutlasses and the forearms and the punches and the chops. I was like, oh, man, we knew we were going to get it. We knew it was going to be great. But I don't think anybody thought it was going to be that great. Uh, again, my my uh, coming out of this match, I was like, oh, they kind of maybe focus a little bit more on Julia versus Soriano. And I kind of understand that. But uh, the tweets between uh, Julia and Kyrie and Stardom kind of back and forth was like, okay, we're definitely getting this match somewhere down the line. I did have a few people tweet at me at the end of the show saying, yeah, because Sherry dropped our uh, Kyrie dropped the belt. She's going back to WWE. Um, I'm 100% saying that's not going to happen. Um, no, 99. Sorry, that 1% is wrestling. Am I off my rocker on this one saying I think she's probably saying in stardom, considering the fact that she's been very animate, that she wants to work more stardom matches, Rob? Well, she's booked on um, Sunshine, so. There you go. She's, um, I believe she's, just let me have a look. Yeah, she's on the Sunshine card. She's um, 
in a six-woman tag with Tam and Nat to play against Micah, Suzu, Suzuki, and May Sane. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's going to be a great match. Holy jeez. Oh, man. What did you do? I read a whole podcast just on that match. But uh, May Sakurai was great here. Tekla, I'm really loving her aggression. Obviously, Sori knew not support. Their stuff was really good. And yeah, they kind of... I, w- I hope that they're in the same block at the five-star because I just don't see them breaking up that team just yet considering the fact that they kind of just repackaged Cosmic Angels. But I can see them really having some dissension coming out of this match and maybe going into the five-star and leading into the next two months. But everybody, all six women were great here. The two teams were great here. Everybody got over, which is what I love about this. these artists and starting championship matches. Sometimes you only get like one or two person that really, really get over and really, really shine in the match just because it might just be too many moving parts. But when you have like ring generals and ring geniuses like Kyrie and Julia that are probably doing the majority of putting this match together they do a great job of getting everybody over. Nobody, again, even though Sorinu took the pinfall and her not supporting Kyrie lost, nobody came out of this match looking bad at all. Again, this just goes into the the how great these belts have been for the last two plus years. You know, going from Cosmic Angels to uh, My Hemi Poi to um, Momo Starlight Kid and uh, Saki Kashima, and even the brief run that well, I can't even say brief run. That uh, that prominence that they won the uh, they won the triangle derby and then lost in, in you know in that fantastic match with restart. Uh, a little shocked that it was uh, basically not even a V one for restart here. They lost it on their first attempt, but match quality wise, yeah, this was great. I had it at four and a quarter stars. Absolutely loved it, and I'm really interested to see where they're gonna go with Julia and Soriano because I think that's gonna be more of like a feud with Kyrie and Julia. I think it's gonna be a one off. And I think we can fairly say that match will be a time limit draw. I think we, we're pretty certain on that one. And I don't care. Give me the 15, 20 minutes of just the, the two of them just being wrestling geniuses. Yeah, terrific match. Yeah, uh, restart, join nine other teams of the 30 to hold the belt on zero. Wow. Chances, which is. Uh, wow. How about that for a stat, folks? Baffling. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, that certainly is something. Obviously, it's 10 if you count Julia Tekler and May Sakurai, who obviously haven't had any tile defenses as of yet. I had it at four and a quarter as well. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this match. All of the chemistry was absolutely tremendous. Cannot fault the match in any way. And then on top of that, we then had a title challenge. Um, it was laid out for people from a very throaty Julia um, who seemed to be really struggling with her voice um, to basically call out challenges and STC answered the uh, the call. Who were STC? Rob, why? It's Stars Trio Crazy. Um, hmm, that's what it's I a t-shirt. But um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's Kagame, Hazuki and Mayu Ibutani. Um, and what made me laugh was apparently Hazuki and Kagamura dragged Mayu out to challenge for the belt without ch- telling her that they were going to challenge them for the belt in a cage. So uh, Mayu found that out apparently at the same time as everybody else, at least in kayfabe. But I do like to think that that was in real life as well. Um, but yes, in the cage, there will be uh, the STC versus Barry Barry Bombers. And again, that is going to be on the 25th of June at that sunshine show in Yoyogi. Now, Matt, this is a double-edged sword um, because even though that is going to be 
incredible. It's going to be a brilliant match. We've seen the kind of crazy stuff that those star that stars trio especially will do in a cage. Um, it is on the same day as Forbidden Door. So any fledgling hope, any fledgling, whether it's hope or whether it's inkling, whatever it is, um, it does look like there is going to be absolutely no stardom participation on Forbidden Door because in that match, there's both Julia and Mayu, who uh, I would argue would probably, aside from Mercedes Monet, who has a broken ankle, and Kyrie are the only people that will be turning up at Forbidden Door anyway. You say Kyrie is in that six-person tag match, though, right? On the show? Yeah, so it's not going to be Kyrie What about Shuri Shuri Um, and Mirai? Where are they? they? They're not booked as of yet. There's only three matches announced. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I know. Me and you have... uh, Boy, we really want to talk about this uh, big podcast that we did about three weeks ago, and... We're like, this is the reason why we can't talk about it, or at least we thought, and then I'm like, well, maybe not. Who knows? Fingers crossed. <laughs> but um, yeah, I real there's this real quick going just to go back on the match. There's this really cool spot where uh Tekla like forearms, I think it was not support off the uh, off the top rope, and Tekla has this big smile on her face, and then she turns around, there's Kyrie on the opposite side, waves at her, punches her in the face, and then hits her with a marine spike. I thought that was just a genius spot. Um, yeah, it was that really was good. really, really good. It was like, oh, I got you. And then here's Kyrie, who everybody loves. Kyrie's like, no, you don't. Um, yeah. I mean, to be fair as well, it's one of the very few times that the Marine Spike didn't look contrived. <laughs> yeah, that was a gap. Yeah, it looked a little bit better. Uh, looked a little bit better, even though when she Kyrie comes down on that, it looks like she's gonna stomp that poor person and through through the through the floor. Um, Boy, yeah. she hits some of that stuff with some ferocity, doesn't she? But yeah, obviously, steel cage match, you're going to have uh, Julia, Tekla, May Sakurai. Maybe we'll see May Sakurai do the insane elbow off the top of the cage. Oh, boy. I tell you what, I, I, I can hear Rob halfway across the world throwing your shoe at a TV. <laughs> and then she pins Mayu Jesus. clean with it. Oh, he's so mad. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. She'd do a self-damage coming off doing that elbow drop. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, overall, a fantastic match. Um, we then make it to our main event, which was the much-talked-about Wonder of Stardom, World of Stardom double title match with Tam Nakano, uh, the red belt champion, defeating Mina Shirakawa, the Y belt champion, in just over 17 minutes, uh, to become the double champion, holding both of the top championships in stardom, becoming only the second person to ever hold them consecutive. Um, sorry, at the same time, um, alongside Mayu Iwatani, and Tam becomes only the fourth person to hold the Wonder of Stardom championship more than once. Uh, Mayu Iwatani, Io Shirai, and Akti Yasakawa are the other three. Um, as I mentioned before, Mina Shirakawa, unfortunately, at the moment goes down as the shortest reigning white belt champion ever with just one title defense and the 34 days that she held the championship. Um, Matt. Yes, sir. Um, do you understand the... Not necessarily the anger, because I don't even think it's anger. The consternation, the the confusion as to why we would have this cathartic moment in Mina Shirakawa dethroning Sayakamatani, coming back from this injury and, you know, basically becoming one of the biggest phases in stardom 
to then lose the title to Tam less than 40 days later. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. I And one thing I've noticed with the Mina Shirakawa fans is they're very passionate. I mean, when uh, she got injured that match with Saya Kamatani, they were very passionate that they, you know, Saya is dangerous, this, that, and the other thing. And I, yeah, I appreciate anybody that's so passionate about that. And as soon as this match was over, two things came into my three things. Like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Two, this match was fantastic. And I was like, oh, boy, when I go on to Twitter, there's going to be a litany of the Mina Shirakawa fans that were going to be upset. And yes, yes. Several, several of them uh, made mention to me that they will no longer be watching Stardom. They will no longer be listening to the podcast. I don't know how we got the heat on that, but uh, calm down. If you are listening to po- still listen to podcasts, first of all, we thank you, and second of all, calm down because Mina Shirakawa is just going to be okay. But I think that uh, the result of this match that kind of threw everybody off kilter it's overshadowing just what a phenomenal, phenomenal match this is. But yeah, to answer your question. Um, I think it's right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's um, I'm sorry, I get ahead of myself. Um, I can understand, you know, the uh, one of the many things that I love about Stardom, why when I fell in love with Stardom two years ago, is how seriously they take their championships. They really don't hot shot on anybody, they really give somebody a chance to shine and tell their story. And obviously, Mina had this full story, you know, Saya's story ended, Mina's story uh, began, and we thought we were going to get this lengthy run. I didn't think it was going to go, you know, 10, 12, 11, 12 months, but you're going to enough for her to tell her story and to main event, uh, put her in that main event level and put a new, you know, shinier light on Mina. And uh, you kind of took it away before it even first started. So, but at the same time, it just seems like that they're doing something different with a lot of these titles. It really seems like Rossi Ogawa's had this formula and a lot of people are like, well, yeah, he's predictable. He's predictable. He's predictable. Now all of a sudden he's not predictable at all. And it kind of makes you think that anytime you see a stardom show and there's two or three matches where they're on a card uh, where there's championship matches, there's a better chance where the title can change. And if you're someone that's on the fence of buying tickets, and it's a big deal to go to a show and see a world championship title change, Rob. It really is. And you never forget. I never forget the very first time I saw a world title change in person. And once I tell you what it was, you're like, there's no way Matt's lying because how else would he remember that? It was a Monday Nitro in Philadelphia, Perry Saturn defeating the Disco Inferno for the WCW Television Championship. Now, if you are a Patreon member, that is two Disco Inferno references that that will be on your feed this week on the Stardom cast. But uh, you don't forget stuff like that. So if you're on the fence of whether you're going to pay your $30, $40, $50 to go to a Stardom show and you're like, there's three championship matches on this show. I've never seen a championship change hands. There's a better chance that you're going to be buying that ticket because now there's a better chance of seeing a title change, which is a history-making event. So I see that point there. What if I had pulled the trigger here? No. If it was up to me, I think as much as I love Tam, I'm the Tamiest, Tamest person in the world, I still would have the belt on Julia. But at the same time, Rob, Bushi Road and Stardom are absolutely loving having Tam at the top of the card because what is it doing it's making them more money so at the end of the day it's a business and if it's a better business decision having tam at the top of the card with the belts you know i don't know what their what their uh what their books like look like i don't know what the checks coming in look like that's none of our business but from all the reports that we're seeing is that they're doing better business with tam up top i guess that's kind of what they're going for 
this strikes me as very similar to when they did the same for the IWGP and the Intercontinental Championships with Tatsuya Naito. And <clears throat> that was a mistake. And I think any New Japan fan will say the same. But giving Tam both the titles, there are positives and there are negatives to any decision. Positives here, builds Tam as a huge star. Only two stardom wrestlers in history have held those two top belts at the same time. Tam is now one of them. She's a big, big deal. It's huge. It's an unpredictable title change. Like, so many people, us included, assume that Mina will be holding this belt to December because that's just how things have gone over the last couple of years. People have held belt, dropped it at Queendom. People have held a belt, dropped it at Queendom. So it adds that element of unpredictability again to it. And you're absolutely right, Matt, though Harry Saturn and Disco <laughs> Inferno did not think that would be a reference that came up in this podcast again. Um, however, you've now got both your top championships on one person, meaning that they won't be defended on the same show. Um, it's really dethroned a lot of Mina's momentum. I mean, her dad was in the crowd, for God's sake. <laughs> like, did you really have to do that to her there? And I just feel like it was a move that didn't need to happen. I mean, for me personally, this match needed to happen 100% because they're so intrinsically linked now, Mina and Tam. But did he need to happen so early? No. This could have been that title defense after the five-star in those two or three shows that sort of prelude Dream Queendom, where nothing really happens. You know, where people have title matches, but nobody really thinks that titles are going to change because they're waiting for Dream Queendom and Sumo Hall. I just... Whether they are going to have Mina Shirakawa win the five-star and then take the belt off Tam at Queendom. I don't know. Did Mina need more adversity if that's the way they're going? No, I don't think they did. So, you know, the match is great. I will absolutely encourage you to watch it. The emotion, the violence. Very, very few people in stardom tell stories as well as Tam Nakano does in ring. And Mina Shirakawa is getting there as well. Like, oh my god, as a baby face, Jesus. I was so behind Mina, and the way she wails after losing that white belt, when she realises what she's done, she put it all on the line to get at Tam. And she's now lost everything. And those howls were so harrowing and so real that it really does put over the importance of this belt to Mina. But again, I just... I find it very, very confusing. But, by the by, the match itself, really, really good. Go and check it out. Um, the booking itself, questionable. Um, and I know that's a point of view that uh, quite a few people shared on Twitter. I can sort of see what they're trying to do. I just don't necessarily agree with it. Either way, we have our next white belt challenger in Mirai who will be challenging for the White Belt at uh, Midsummer Champions, which is going to be taking place at Yokohama Budokan 
um, on the 2nd of July. Matt, how do you see this going? Do you think that Mirai takes the white belt and they separate them off? Um, do you think Tam holds both belts for an extended period? Because in my mind, if that happens, I just, I don't think that's good for business. Here's a couple things. Um, they can do what they did with Jay Lethal when he was both world champion and TV champion in Ring of Honor, where he wrestled twice on the same pay-per-view. And maybe that's something they'll, they they may or may, I'm not saying that it's, it's something they can look at and be like, well, you know, we got Tam defending two belts on one show. Maybe that's something that'll help draw tickets and subscriptions and pay-per-view buys. That's something that they may or may not look at. I don't know. Um, as we record this, it is, may 31st i'm uh we mentioned the beginning of the show you mentioned just a few minutes ago if you're asking me what's going to happen mina shirakawa this is not we have two months till 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 the five star as we record this last day of may my prediction is mina shirakawa will win the five star grand prix we have a proper longer bill to her and tam and she will defeat tam mcconnell for the world of stardom championship at the end of the year um you think where Mina Shirakawa was right around this time this year, we kept talking about how great she's improving. But this time last year, she was a mid-card wrestler at best. She is a proven main eventer between everything she did with Sayakamatani at the end of the year and then the biggest show in stardom history. In my opinion, that was the best match of, of the show. The show was so good that a lot of people have uh, you know different matches as, as, as the match of, of the show. She had a uh, main event at the very next pay-per-view with Natsupoi rave reviews drew a bunch of money pay-per-view buys were good you know they did very well with that she's a proven main eventer and i think i text you you know maybe a few hours after the show and, and knowing that you didn't watch this and mina shirakawa has has made her place she is a solid main eventer and the most stacked roster in all of wrestling by a country mile that's what this company needs, Rob, is more main eventers. She's a main eventer now. She can main event a Corkin. She can main event uh, night one or night two of uh, of the five-star. She can main event the uh, the uh, the final night of the five-star. And I think she's going to do all of that. And I also think she's going to main event Dream Queendom. If you look at how far she came from this time last year to the end of last year, what do you think is going to happen to her in the next five, six, seven, eight months leading up to the five-star and uh, Dream Queendom. I think that that's what's going to happen. I think that's the way they're going to go. Again, Bushiroad and Stardom are very big on how much money these two are uh, drawing for the company. You give a proper build with Mina Shirakawa chasing. We saw Mina Shirakawa chasing after Sayakamatani. It worked out really well. Folks, some wrestlers, some baby faces, just really good chase wrestlers. Like if two of the biggest baby faces and two of the biggest drives ever in the history of wrestling were Dusty Rhodes and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Dusty never held the NWA belt for a long, long period of time, especially back then when they would hold for three or four years. And I don't think Stone Cold had ever held the WWF uh, heavyweight championship for more than six months. And maybe that, and I'm saying Mean is just going to be somebody on the chase, but I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to have her this big, long chase. They're going to build her up, put her back down, build her back up, put her, bring her back down, and then build her right back up at the perfect time during the five-star. Again, I think Mina Sherikaw wins the five-star. I think her and Tam main event Dream Queendom where that'll do massive, massive business and the match will be fantastic. Um, what you asked about Mirai, I'm going to say Mirai beats Tam. And you may say, well, they're really kind of flip-flopping the belt. 
I'm sometimes not sometimes a lot of times Rob we look we're so deep into the stardom because we love it so much that we just we don't oversee the obvious we talk about how stacked this stardom roster is is it out of left field for Mirai to beat Tam for the white belt no is it out of left field for Hazuki to beat Mirai for the white belt and two months later no the roster is so stacked that anybody can beat anybody and I'm going to throw here's my here's my MMA UFC reference for the show if you remember back in probably the golden era of UFC, you had your, the light heavyweight division was the, 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 the king, the top. You had Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, and Randy Couture. They were all champions. Eventually, Chuck ruled the division. He had a really good run. He gets knocked out by Rampage Jackson. Rampage Jackson has one successful title defense with that belt against Dan Henderson, then loses to Forrest Griffin. Forrest Griffin immediately loses it to Rashad Evans, who immediately loses it to Leota Machida. Machida has a match with uh, Shogun Hua. Goes through the judges' scorecard. How Machida walked out with the belt, I don't know. Immediate rematch. Uh, Shogun knocks out Machida. And then John Jones beats uh, Shogun to go on the greatest reign in the history of MMA, in my opinion. That's what the stardom roster is in the red belt and white belt division. It is so jam-packed that you can see any one of these wrestlers flip-flopping the belt. And I think that's what Rossio Gao is doing. Okay, I had Julia had a long reign. I had Tam that had a decent long reign. I had Sai that had the longest reign ever. Oh, now I'm going to have Mina. Now let's take it off her. Okay, I had you, um, Mayu had a real long reign with the red belt. And then Utami had a really long reign. Then Shiri had a long reign. And then we give it to Julia. We're going to take it off her just to kind of break things up. I kind of see where that's going. And if Mariah does win the, the Wonder Belt off Tam, not only is she beating Tam, but she's beating Tam who has the red belt. So Mariah, who's kind of had this so close, kind of, again, we say a lot, bridesmaid kind of thing where she, you know, she won the uh, Cinderella last year, Same, came so close to beating Saya for the uh, the Wonder Belt at last year's Flashing Champions. Went to this great tag team with Ami Sori. They almost win the tag league. They come so close on winning the tag belts. She comes back and wins the uh, the tournament again this year, the Cinderella tournament. Finally, not only that, let me back up, goes to the finals of the Triangle Derby. And then once Duzu says, we're going to put the belts on line the main event, Twitter blew up immediately. Mariah is finally going to win her first championship in stardom. And she doesn't. She comes so close. Now she wins the Cinderella again. She finally gets the monkey off her back and wins her first championship with Ami Sori. And I think it's the perfect story for Mariah to not only win the white belt, the belt that she's been chasing after, but to defeat the person holding the red belt champion as well, that'll do wonders for Mariah's career. And then you're going to make Mariah a solid main eventer as well. So kind of went on a rant there. Literally a lot of stuff that I written down because a lot of stuff that I kind of wanted to get off my chest and kind of go over where I think stardom is going with this. I understand everybody's frustrations, but look how stacked that red belt division is and white belt division, especially, especially the fact that now we're going to have a Zoomy more than likely coming up and Starlight Kid more than likely coming up in that division. It's just going to get more stacked. So the flip-flopping of the belts, while I don't rest necessarily prefer it, I understand it because everybody is so closely matched that these belts can now change hands more often than not, which is going to you know be intriguing for the people to buy more tickets and to buy more pay-per-views from stardom. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, like you said, we've just come off the back of this mammoth title reign from Sayaka Vatani, the longest, the the second longest in stardom history, four hundred and eighty days. Um, 
you know, a couple of short reigns peppered here and there probably aren't going to help, aren't going to hurt the lineage of the belt too much. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, I'm very conscious of the time just because I've got a football match. So we won't be uh, previewing New Blood. It is on Friday, um, the 2nd of June at 9 o'clock British time. It's free on YouTube, so make sure you check that out. We'll be talking about that next time. Um, Matt, what did you give this match? I gave this match five stars. I know you got to get going. I'm just, I was going to break it down real quick. Mina going into the match with two objectives, to take Tam's head off with her strikes and to drop her on her head. And whenever that wouldn't work, she would go to the knee. And then she would go back to try to take Tam's head off. There's one part where she hits the, uh, the glamorous driver, Mina. Tam kicks out. She goes for the figure four driver, Mina, which is her nuclear finish. Tam gets out, but comes down on her knee. And the rope that she gets to pull herself up at is the same rope that Natsupoy is at. Mina looks at Natsupoy, looks at Tam, picks her up, and then gives her the electric chair dragon screw. I thought that was genius. Um, eventually, Tam kicks out of the figure four driver, Mina. And then Mina starts losing her cool. And this is her one of her two downfalls in this match, Rob, is she starts throwing hammer fists in these brutal, brutal stiff kicks at Tam, but instead of staying on Tam, she gives Tam time to recover, and she runs off the rope to run at Tam. Tam hits the super kick, giving Tam kind of the advantage back, and I loved how when Tam would start throwing these strikes, she couldn't get the advantage because her knee would buckle, and that's one thing we've never really seen from Tam is her selling, like, in that type of form, and I thought Tam selling, I'm like, okay, now we're adding just a completely another level to how great Tam is in the ring, because her selling here was like Mayu level, it was that good, like, you just felt so bad for Tam, because it's like, she can't get going, or get those strikes going, because she can't put any weight on her knee, and she did a great job getting Mina over, the second part where Mina was a little maybe showing her inexperience in this big match is towards the end. It really was towards the end. The two of them are locking wrists and throwing forearms. And then uh, Tam dares Mina to throw a big one. And when she does, Tam just goes nuclear on her. Tam hits the tiger suplex, which we've seen her win a lot of matches with, the violent shooting, a big spin kick, the um, uh, the twilight... Um, Oh my God, why can't I think of it? Not the Twilight Dream. The, vi- Twilight the Violent Dream. Screwdriver, I'm sorry. Violent the Violent Screwdriver into the Twilight Dream. And that finished it. And for everybody that's a diehard Mina fan, as I am as well, let me reiterate what Tam had to do to win this match. Tiger Suplex, it's one of her finishers. Violent Shooting, one of her setups for a finisher. Mina kicks out at one. Tam hits a big super kick. And then she goes back to back on her finishing moves. The Violent Screwdriver and the Twilight Dream. She had it five big moves back to back to back to back. Yeah, that's five. In order to put Mina away. So what does that show you about the resiliency of Mina? And Mina did a really good job, especially towards the middle of this match, dominating Tam. Again, I love the match. love the violence. I know you got to go, partner. I could talk about this match for hours. I hope we can do an alternate commentary on it sometime soon. This was brilliant storytelling. I understand some people are uh, frustrated with the booking and the way the the finish. Let's not, let's leave this positive. Let's not take this away that this is one of the best matches of both these ladies' career. This was a clear five stars for me. I give it four and a half. Like I say, fantastic match. Um, The chemistry these two have and I think with a bigger build, these two will have an absolute blow-away match, and I can see that happening at Sumo Hall, and I can I can fully see Mina winning. Um, anyway, like Matt said, unfortunately, I do have to go, which means that we'll have to cut this two-and-a-half-hour <laughs> podcast short. Um, 
but we'll be here next week to talk about new blood obviously we've got two pay-per-views in two weeks so we've got uh, sunshine on the 25th of june and midsummer champions on the 2nd of july on successive saturdays or successive sundays should i say so that's going to be nice and fun for everyone lots of uh, lots of digging into pockets there um but in the meantime thank you so much for listening guys we really do appreciate it um if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts we are literally everywhere um thank you to everyone on our patreon we cannot thank you enough for all your fantastic support over at the patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast um if you haven't already it would be great if you could leave us a review on apple itunes or apple itunes apple podcasts google Podcasts, spotify all those things it really does help the podcast be exposed to more people we're on social media wherever you get your social media we are there at the stardom cast um and you can also talk to me on twitter at real rob goodwin don't forget to check out the website www.thestardomcast.com matt plug your stuff and let's get out of here absolutely you guys need to get a hold of me matt turner of on the instagram and or the twitter is the best way to get a hold of me if you want to shoot me an email that's perfectly fine as well. The Stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Once again, folks, we thank you so much for all the support. Can't do it without you. Like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're always together and everybody's different. Everybody's special. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.